Welcome, 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 welcome. Thank you for joining us at the Backwood Cinema Podcast. And we're going to take a look back at the movies of yesteryear. This is the 58th episode. Thank you for downloading and streaming or streaming. I don't know. I don't know how you're listening to this. You could be downloading it. You could be streaming it. I don't know how the tech works, but I know you're doing it. And I really appreciate it. Now, the reason that we started this show was to strengthen the bond between my son, Zach, and Diesel. We watched movies that I love when I was growing up in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. And I'm going to tell you what Zach thought about these classic movies that we just watched earlier today. Now, if you like this show, I'd ask you to rate and, re- and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podchaser.com, or whatever your favorite podcast app. If if they allow it, I would really appreciate it if you could if you could do that. If you can't, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. I'm just asking. It's not a crime to ask, is it? You know, I'm, <laughs> I had to get off myself. I have to ask. I have to I have to be more assertive in life because there. You know, I don't ask for things. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't ask for things. So, anyways. The reason that we are gathered here today is because today is a very special episode because I have a very special guest. We on this podcast have a very special guest. I have an awesome treat for you. Said so coming over from multiple podcasts, but the one that I listen to the most is it goes down in the PM. She's a writer, a producer. She's just an all around social media maven. I want you to put your hands together and welcome the honorable, the fantastic, the beautiful Julie Moreno. Hey, everybody clap. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, you know what? I got you though. Check it out. Watch this. Look. Oh, unfortunately, I can't hear it on my end. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. That's okay. okay. I got it. I gotta get one of those. Thank you so much. That is an amazing introduction, and I really appreciate it. It is the best intro I've heard. That's fine. Oh, I, I appreciate that. I'm, <laughs> I'm working on that. So, um, did I say your name right? Because I've been misspelling your name when I on the discourse <laughs> or in the emails. I was like, wait a minute, that's not how you do it. Uh, Ju- yeah, it's Juline. Um, I don't, I don't mind. Just, you know, people call me a lot of things. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, I got to be careful because. No, I was just saying one time I had a guest and I called her the wrong name the entire interview. Oh, Uh, no. Her name is is Donna. I kept calling her Dina. It was was totally wrong. And she didn't correct me the whole thing. She just told me after the end, after we stopped recording. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. She said, it's all right. Maybe people would think it's DM because she goes by her initials. But it's, uh, it's, uh, well, she's DM Neaton need him on a official like her professional name but her name is donna so uh sorry donna sorry about that my official apology <laughs> she she has the uh the better two podcast so um at least she was a good sport about it yeah she's just, an excellent person but real quick real quick my last name is walker now because he put a ring on it. He put a <laughs> ring on it. Congratulations, girl. Thank you. Thank so you I saw, so much. Yeah, I saw a photo on your website. So your website is, uh, it goes down. No, momisalwaysright.com. Right spelled W-R-I-T-E. And yeah. so I, in one of the pictures, it's a 
basically showcasing one of your um when he i think it's your vlog so i think it's called the walker vlog or something like that and there's a giant man like bending over <laughs> a tiny woman so i'm kind of wondering is he, mr walker is he the giant man is he a giant mm-hmm. man or just or are you a tiny woman how does this work it's it's a little bit of both i'm i'm four foot eleven <laughs> he's six foot five i leading up to the wedding i like i stressed about everything i was like should i put heels on maybe not he's six foot five i'm gonna i'm gonna look weird i'm gonna look like i'm saying i do to his waist and you know like every little thing I was worried about this and that should I put this what if I trip on my skirt what if my mom and dad trip on my skirt what what if I just bang each shit like right when I get to the altar because my dress was huge it was the perfect dress it was like my dream dress but it was huge so I was I worried about everything and then um Derek from Ratchet Book Club was like listen no matter what you do, you are gonna look tiny next to him. So don't <laughs> right, unless you're wearing uh, stilts. He's six foot. You say he's six foot eleven. He's six foot five. Oh, six foot five. Well, still, that's that's very tall. It's tall for me. I'm five foot six. So yeah, that's. It's, <laughs> I have to look up to him as well. So yeah, there's nothing you could have done. So just relax. If you need to be a hobbit, you will be a hobbit for that day. It's your wedding day. Don't worry about right? being a hobbit. Right. I was so, I was, um, so it, it went off without a hitch. And the picture you saw, that was a, a very Walker vlog. Yes, so yes. We've got a ton of content premiering this February. Um, we just, I have to, I always have to take like around the fall off because I do Halloween really big every year. I do Thanksgiving. Um, I've got three kids' birthdays, two in December, one in January. My husband's birthday is in January. So I take all of January to plan February content, and then we premiere in February. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> that that Halloween in your house sounds like a very big holiday. So I'm, yes. I'm going to uh, actually move into the interview um, and my audience knows I, I'm not an interviewer. My questions are dumb and basic, and I'm I'm going to muddle through as best I can. But I, I want to get my audience with some sense of the people that are coming on and just glorifying my humble podcast. So <laughs> you do fantastic. I'll, I don't know. Which, I, love, <laughs> I love your podcast. I think it's absolutely adorable that you and your son watch movies together and stuff. I'd ask the naked alien to watch movies with me and he's like, no boomer, nobody wants to watch this. Get right, wrecked. right. <laughs> what have you asked him to watch? Oh Lord, I wanted him to watch Hook because mm-hmm. that was fantastic. Uh Beauty and the Beast, Mulan. Um, I try and get him to watch some of my favorite horror movies, like you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, all of them. You know, for the 13th Halloween, you know, classic slasher stuff. And it's just like, right. can we watch Happy Death Day? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he want, he's only into the newer stuff. He's not into the older stuff or the yeah. earlier classic type movies. Well, how, how old is he? He's 15. He thinks our okay. special effects are whack. 
So. Right. Well, you know, that some, some, uh, what you call it, some special effects don't hold up as well as others. What, what other types of movie does he like? Um, he made me watch, oh, it, it's like, uh, it's not a movie, it's like a TV show called One Piece. Ah. And then, and like Death Note. And yeah. um, there was another really sad one about like, about suicide. Like uh, there was a character that was hard of hearing, and, and she tried to kill herself. It it was really sad, right. and I was like, "Oh my heart, why would you do this to right. me?" <laughs> it was like, anime. Right, I was about to say it sounds like he's heavily into anime, and 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 anime gets into all the nooks and crannies of drama. I mean, of of genre. So it's not like. It's not like a, a, a one note situation. It's not like a, a 2D situation. Like you, you're going to have <laughs> different genres within anime and they get into all. And anime is for like adults to babies, right? So it's really, it's in uh, deeply part of the Japanese culture. So I'm not surprised that you, you're watching anime with your son that's all sad and whatnot. It's not something that I will watch, <laughs> but uh, I can well, understand crazy is like look i love uh ghibli studios studios right because i am obsessed with princess mononoke right you know that is my favorite forever favorite anime movie and also you know i came up on like taylor moon i watched naruto for like a second I stopped watching after like the tune-in exams, but then you get other stuff like Yu Yu Hakusho and the whole thing, I'm watching this and it's like, the whole thing is, so they're like spirit detectives, they bump into other demons and it's like, hi, my name's such and such. Okay, we're going to fight now. And why is every anime fight destroy like the entire world it destroys like everything within the immediate vicinity <laughs> right yeah anime is wild like that um but I, I enjoy i'm it. not i'm not as heavily into anime as i thought i was uh when i started looking at it. i was like well i don't even really watch a lot I, I watched a lot of anime when i was growing up but it really wasn't anime what they, what they would do in the united states they would take japanese anime and they would kind of chop them up and adopt and write new stories for them and write new stories for American audiences. So like one of my favorite anime was called Battle of the Planet. No, not Battle of the Planet. I mean, it was, but that's not what I'm talking about. One of my favorite anime was Voltron. And so with Voltron, right. But here's the thing though, Voltron is a uniquely American story. What, what they did was the studio had actually brought, he, he had bought three different cartoons for syndication in America. These cartoons, or these anime in Japan have nothing to do each other, right? With each other. They're not related. They just have giant robots in it. So the guy had bought these three anime, brought them over to America. And then he had writers rewrite and had editors re-edit all of the shows into one narrative. So Voltron is actually three separate narratives. There's no Voltron in, in Japan. It's, it's an American creation created from diced up Japanese cartoons 
so so crazy yeah i just learned about that i was like oh my god so it's not even really a, a traditional anime but the only suggestion i can offer your son is uh right now there's a live action series on netflix called cowboy bebop you may have heard of it and, yeah i um, i like the anime i was he he made me watch the live action and i wasn't feeling oh it. you didn't like the live action that's what i was going to suggest <laughs> i love I let I like the I like the animated one, right? Because you know it's for me it's like I'm not a hardcore anime head. I'm not at Otacon or anything like that. But you know what? Like I like what I like. I enjoyed Initial D, Tangle Tenji, Fruit Basket, Fairy Tale. I don't even know is Fairy Tale or like. Is fairy tale an American made anime or is that like that's oh, an I, anime, right? I haven't yeah. even heard of that. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that is that is an anime that came from like a manga, just like like um fruit basket or whatever. Right, right, right. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like the only anime that I can honestly say that it's real anime that I watch was uh whether it's Hunter Vampire D, the very first one that's extremely hard to watch nowadays. There is uh what is it called? I'm thinking about it. I've got it on the tip of my tongue. I swear I'm gonna say it. Akira. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that's a, a well-honored anime. And then there's Ghost in the Shell. So I remember watching those three. And I, I know I've seen a bunch of others. Like I know Speed Racer is an anime, but I don't know if it's been chopped up like the other, like Voltron that I mentioned. And then I mentioned Battle of the Planets. And that is what they also call Science Ninja Team G1. And then there's a Gigantor. I think I watched a little bit of Gigantor. So yeah, I watched some of the really old stuff, but I don't think I watched a lot of the new stuff. I I I think I watch a pretty good mix because again, my son keeps me on my toes. (laughs) Right. So it's it's nice to bond with him though. We do we do that to bond and and we'll play board games. So. Yeah, however you can get it in. <laughs> so uh, another question I wanted to ask is, you have an umbrella for all of your shows. It's called Mom is Always Right Media. So what is Mom is Always Right? Mom is Always Right started off as just a blog. I wanted to build awareness for a certain for certain issues, mainly um, autism mental illness. Uh, My son was diagnosed with autism and I couldn't find any information about it. And I was like, this is a shame. I don't like this. So I started blogging and writing about my life with him. And it turned it, I was not able to work. I was hit by a drunk driver. Like, I feel like everyone knows this. I I was hit by a drunk driver and I was in a rollator for eight months. I'm still not able to work my spinal injury. You know, I have to, I'm okay. I can't move my feet for eight hours. I cannot lift more than 50 pounds. So they're just like, I'm going to (laughs) pass. Right. So I started my own company and then it's, it originally started with there's something about mom blog. Um, And then it branched out to, it goes down in the PM. And then coffee after dark, and then a very Walker vlog, 
than conversations. Um, we used to do like ghostwriting, resumes and stuff like that. Uh, now it's a case-by-case basis because I really don't have the staff for that anymore. And then um, I still have like my my one, like my my core client list for, you know, resumes and stuff like that. So I still keep that. But for the most part, it's 100% digital content, entertainment. That's what we're about. This is where we're focusing. This is what we're good at and marketing. So you'll find not just our shows, but you also have the option to hire us to market, which is why you always see on my hashtags, Media Maven, because my entire job Most of my clients hire me to be on the internet, scrolling Twitter, interacting on Instagram, TikTok. I was trying to make a TikTok video, funny story, trying to make a TikTok video uh, uh, with my spinal injury. I was trying to get the dance going, but there's there's a move where she goes like this and kind of bends over like that. And then she, and I was like, oh, I don't, oh no, 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 no. We're going to have to figure out how this movement works for me. Right. I I can see how that would be difficult. So what does it mean? Sorry. (laughs) There must be a lag or something. Mom is always right. It's all about digital digital content and digital marketing. All right. That sounds awesome. I I might have to use your services. (laughs) I could use some marketing. uh, I'll give you the family discount. I got you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Hear that, folks? I got the family discount. That's how I do this. So <laughs> let Everything, me ask you. You're our day one. appreciate day that. One from day one. Uh, so what does it mean to have a full service writing agency? So you mentioned that you do all digital content. So you mentioned writing resumes. So that includes like like resumes and, and what else? Um. Yeah, like I said, we used to do like resumes, ghost writing, um, that's like books and stuff. I am, I will be looking to publish some books soon. Uh, as soon as we get the working capital for that, I'm kind of tied up in investments. But once I get the working capital for that, I'll be looking to publish some books on, you know, digital, the initial press will be digital. And then maybe I might do like 10,000 copies in print just to see how it does. Right now, I like I feel like a thousand, a thousand copies for uh, initial press print is where it's at because not a lot of people are purchasing paper books. Right, right, right. Amazon yeah. is the name of the game now. Right. Uh, I... I get most of mine from Audible, which is owned by Amazon. And I, I, well, I had been listening to a lot of audiobooks, and now I'm just listening to podcasts. And so it's like podcasts have <laughs> completely taken over. And there was a, I'm trying to think. There, there's podcasts. Oh, there's the digital books, like you mentioned. So I, I read a lot of comics. So I read uh, digital comic books. I don't really buy comics. And anymore like that, like like I used to. I, I still have boxes and boxes of physical comics that I need to get rid of. They're, they're taking up space. Oh, and trust me, there's a market for that. Yeah, a yeah. lot of collectors would really love that. 
but that's that's what it means at full service writing agencies we'll do resumes ghostwriting i used to write grants but we don't do that anymore right it's mostly just marketing we're all about marketing writing resumes books awesome so um shifting gears a little bit so on your site it says you were in the navy yes so do you think you could share with our audience what you learned in the navy that helped you in your civilian life uh, I mean, if you learned anything at all, I, that, you know, that's a really good question. What did I learned? I, I gained a kind of discipline and a singular focus that allows me to get a lot of things done, be productive. You know, it allows me to override if I'm having a bad day. It does not matter. I will complete whatever it is I'm doing. And that's something I would not have been able to do had I not joined the Navy because, you know, even when I was in high school, if I was pissed off, nothing's getting done. <laughs> I'm telling if I'm just, I'm not feeling it, I'm not doing it. Procrastination was like my favorite thing. And it still is. It, like, I have a hard time, but because of the military, I just need to push myself instead of having to push myself every single step because of the military, I push myself to do the first step. And then it's like a switch that clicks and then I'm, I focus and I will not be able to leave that task until it's complete. Right. That, that sounds great. Uh, I also did some time in the military and, and the, I feel like, those are some of the same lessons that I learned, except to a lesser degree. I feel like I, it's, it's like I, I am knowledgeable that I am procrastinating. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm just laying <laughs> around and I'm doing it and I'm not conscious of it. At least when I do it now, I'm conscious of it. So I, I know that I feel like I have the 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 will to get things done when I know they, I guess I, I could say that I, procra I procrastinate less. <laughs> I think I could say that. I think it's funny how everybody describes um, serving in the military as doing time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and the, uh, GI means government issue. So, <laughs> all right. So, we are um, government property after all. <laughs> right, right. So, let me ask you. And then I, I wrote some other questions, but you answered those in our conversation. So it worked out perfectly. So is there any- uh, Wait, what were they? See, you oh, guys well, just do that I, I want to know what they are. Oh, well, one I asked you about um, about publishing the book and you, you said you was going to publish the book. And then I was going to ask you about the podcast, but you kind of answered that about the podcast. Well, there's one specific question. So you basically have uh, four podcasts. Well, you got two podcasts and two vlogs. And one of them, your husband does uh, coffee after dark. So you, you do that together with your husband, I suspect. Okay. Yeah. So um, with all of these podcasts and vlogs, you have, it goes down in the PM. You have coffee after dark. You have momversations and you have a very Walker vlog. So with all of these, so, and then plus you have TikTok, you're, you're active on Twitter, I see, and you're active on Instagram. So with all of this going on, how, how do you find the time? Uh, let, for example, before you answer, I just did a special episode of this podcast less than 24 hours ago. 
So me and Zachary, we went to see, what did we see? We, we went to see Moonfall with Holly Berry because it, it looked interesting. So I decided to go see it. So we went and watched the movie and I decided to do a special episode to let, give people my impressions of uh, what we thought of the movie. Now, Zachary really liked the movie because I think he likes anything that's action oriented. And I thought it was not good, right? It was not basically my my impression. I just told people that they could, you know, they could wait until it comes on streaming <laughs> service. They don't have to risk their health to go there. They can just like give it a break. Don't you don't have to see it right now. You can you can pause. But uh <laughs> that that took a lot out of me. Like doing doing that and then coming to, coming again to do this, it it, it took a lot of work. And, and then I I threw in some extra stuff, right? So, you know, I can't always instantly get Zachary to watch movies with me. So I have to sweeten the pot sometimes. So this morning I made breakfast, I made pancakes. <laughs> and then I, I took him to the hospital and then I, I drove back. So that, all that was a lot of work. So I'm like, with you, with four shows and plus all the stuff you have to do at home, that that must take a lot out of you. How do you do it? Um, I don't have another job to go to. This is it. This is my job. So I get up, I get these kids together and then I'm like, I guess I'll edit video today or I'll make video or I'll update the Twitter and let them know what's on the production schedule for us today. Um, I think interacting on Twitter is my favorite part of my day because you guys, it's like there's a huge community of podcasters there and I get to know everybody. When my book drops, I, I'm only touring pod, indie podcasts indie indie shops indie uh, mom and pop bookshops um I will not be doing any like promotional things on the mainstream so because I love the indie community yeah yeah uh that's how that's how we all get that's that's how most of us get started uh podcasting and like social media they they provide a very affordable entry into like the wider world and and you know as far as like finding time I mean it's real easy honest I'm not gonna say easy excuse me it was late my last one I have my calendar my calendar is clutch so what I did for season four of it goes down in the p.m is I scheduled a whole bunch of interviews I banked those right and right. then you know I'll start interacting on social media now, you can interact waiting in line, going to the bathroom, cooking, waiting for the rice to cook. We all do it. We, we all do it just on our personal stuff. People take gym selfies or whatever. We, we do this on a normal day to day. So for me, it made no sense that I was, I, I remember my phone sending, showing me how many hours I spend on certain apps before I got paid to social media market. And I found that I was spending like thousands of hours on Instagram. And I'm like, well, God, okay, I'm not even getting paid for this shit. I'm just <laughs> posting pictures and talking to folks. Why am I doing this? And I was like, you know what? I don't know. I tried to delete my Instagram. Instagram said, nope, you're here forever. Sorry. And then I started my business and I was like getting paid to do the same thing. 
Right, right. Absolutely. It's funny because it seems to me that you kind of have a leg up on many other podcasters, many other indie podcasters where, you know, you, since you don't have other obligations, like another financial obligations, then you're free to build your passion uh, as much uh, to, to a greater effectiveness than a lot of us are able to, right? <laughs> I can only do this on the weekend. So uh, I look forward to the day when I get to where you're at. <laughs> it's true. Cause like marketing for like, take me social media marketing. I'll manage four of your social media accounts, $500 a month. And that's just for one person. Now you start to get multiple people manage four accounts. Yes. I'm on social media all day long. But that's like a thousand fifteen hundred dollars a month, two thousand dollars a month, and I'm doing something that I'm doing anyway. And then where you get to like custom graphics and stuff like that, price goes up. Like if I'm creating, if I'm doing like graphic design for your Instagram, and let's say you want a new one once a week or every day or whatever, then it'll be six hundred a month, seven, eight whatever you need and then that's extra income and then on top of that like I cut video so if you want like a video done once a month or whatever um or a podcast edited like once a week you know you make it a package and then you're getting a pretty sweet deal where I'm managing for your for your social media accounts, I'm de- doing graphic design, editing your podcast, and what are you doing? You're recording, and it's a trade off because it's much more convenient for other podcasters to create content because you do have other obligations. You do have to go to work. You do have to take junior to soccer practice. So it's like you have a stay-at-home mom that takes care of your podcast. <laughs> right. That's pretty awesome. That that is you're in, that seems to me to be a good place to be. So now and because I'll and go my ahead. My husband and my husband supports my dreams. So even when I don't have a huge client list, even if my client list is just one person or whatever my husband will take care of me because, you know, that's the type of relationship that we, you know, we talked about each of our responsibilities to one another. And, you know, I love him and I will, I will always make sure he's straight. I can work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. I will still come home, clean, cook dinner and press out his clothes because that man is a good man. That's awesome. Well, you are definitely fortunate and blessed, as they would say. So I'm I'm really bad at transitions. So I'm just going to say we're transitioning <laughs> to the next part of the show. We're okay. going to. Speaking of excellent relationships, we're going to have a conversation about a movie where a man is discovering that his previous approach to relationship is not exactly what he what it seems. This oh wow! Boomerang. That is correct. <laughs> the movie that we had looked at recently was Boomerang. She said it perfectly. 
So um, what what was that? that how did they describe an IMDb? Oh, let, let me look. I forgot. A That's successful. All right. I got it. I got it. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, wait. It dropped. Okay. Come on. There we go. <clears throat> A successful male executive and womanizer finds his lifestyle choices have turned back on him when his new female boss turns out to be an even bigger deviant than he is. Yeah, that, that's about right. Uh, <laughs> I like I like the short, succinct descriptions. What I also like is I didn't have to edit this one at all. I, at least I didn't feel the need to throw any of my <laughs> editing talents uh, as meager as they would be. So this movie was released on July 1st, 1992 by Paramount Pictures, Imagine Films Entertainment and Eddie Murphy Production. It grossed over $70 million in the U.S. and Canada and $131 million worldwide on a $42 million budget, and it had middling reviews. Uh, that's about right. Probably lower than middling. It's funny, Rick, because it's it didn't do that bad. Probably didn't do as well as they expected, but it, it wasn't that bad. It was, it was it, as far as the returns, right? Because you really I'm, want I'm, three times your budget. It, it did close to a little more than twice his budget. It, it did all right. <laughs> but uh <laughs> I thought this was a blockbuster. I had no idea when I first saw it that it didn't do as well as I imagined. I thought this was like a blockbuster, but it was not. <laughs> I'm shocked it did as well as it did. <laughs> like, oh, really? I uh, I yeah. am. I mean, yeah, it was funny. It had some yuck yucks, but was it like Nutty Professor funny? Not really. Beverly no. Hills Cobb, Golden Child funny? No. I I think it's an interesting um, range for Eddie Murphy because we had this and then later on, you remember, we had Daddy Daycare, which had a completely different tone than this did. So it's, it's nice to see some range here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is one of his earlier films. And that's when he started expanding out. His first film was, um, shoot, I'm tripping. I think it was Trading Places. And he just based that on, like, the, uh, it's kind of like an amalgamation of characters he played on Saturday Night Live. And then after Trading Places, he did uh, 48 Hours. And the director was kind of upset with 48 Hours because Eddie Murphy seemed to be using the same character that he used in Trading Places. But then I think after 48 Hours is kind of when he started to, no, not 48 Hours, it was Beverly Hills Cop. But after after those movies, I think he started to stretch a little bit. Because when people, <laughs> when they hire Eddie Murphy, they want Eddie Murphy. <laughs> and this is one of those movies where he kind of expanded Wait, a little bit. Is Okay, 48 Hours is not what he did with Nick Nolte? Or is that the, that's Beverly Hills, is that Beverly Hills Cops? Well, yeah, uh, 48 Hours, what he did with Nick Nolte. 48 Hours, right. what he did with, uh, I'm trying to think what his name is, but I can't right now. But uh, he did with those two dudes, those two other dudes. <laughs> I can't, one of them, <laughs> Reinholz, Judge Reinholz is his name. I remember his name because that is a weird name. His first name is Judge. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this movie stars Eddie Murphy as Marcus Graham. He was in the, the Nutty Professor, Dream Girls, and he will be appearing in 
Beverly Hills Cop 4 and Triplet opens in 2022. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord. It's yeah, I know, right? Um, can we come up with something new? I mean, it's really cool, you know, for nostalgia purposes that we are reusing stuff, but it would really be cool to see this generation of movies come up with something brand new. Well, I I think they have, but they especially the older actors, they like to go back to some of the movies they started with. Like uh, a few years ago, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's in, who's also going to be in Triplets. He was in, I think it was a movie called Maggie. I can't remember the name of the movie exactly, but it was like a girl's name. And I think it was Maggie. And basically his daughter had become a zombie and he's trying to protect his daughter. And so that was an interesting turn for him. And then Eddie Murphy recently, as you know, he did, uh, <coughs> he did Mr. Church. I think that was one of his most recent uh, original films that, didn't have anything to do with his past and then uh, after mr church he kind of went on hiatus uh went into retirement people asked him why why he was coming back to retirement you know why did he go back to saturday night saturday night live why is he making coming to america too and he said because i have 10 kids and uh that was his reason (laughs) (laughs) you know i (laughs) I have missed seeing him on screen. Like he is really funny, but I always wondered what prompted his retirement. Well, I was I, less concerned with why he came back as to why he left to begin with. Right, probably because you know you just get tired of working after a while. You know, he's probably he probably just wanted to. It, it could have been like uh, a like a movie like. Mr. Church, I think it got a lot of bad reviews. So that could, I don't know what his mental state is, but that could have a negative effect on on actors sometimes. Um, so yeah, like yeah, that's true. But I can't really speak to his state of mind. I may, I, and I always attribute it to like he just wanted to stop working, just like, he's <laughs> like just want to, uh, I just want to take relax for for a little while. So tell us who's next on the list. Um. Robin Gibbons, she plays Jacqueline uh, in this movie, who is the female executive that is like basically the girl version of him. Yeah. And um, she's in uh, Blank Man, Riverdale, Batwoman. Uh, oh, in fact, she's also in A Family That Prays. Oh, a family that prays. I hadn't seen that one. I, I remember her from her very first. Well, I don't. It's not her first project, but it's the first time I ever seen her. It was in a, it was in a sitcom called Head of the Class. It was a high school sitcom, and she played the smart, like preppy student. Oh, see, I don't see. I don't remember that role for her, and I, I don't remember that sitcom. Oh, oh. my! You gotta, you gotta look at that. That was fascinating. That's a that was. I didn't realize she was bad. Man. No, uh, I don't remember either. <laughs> and yeah, and then the fact that she's in Riverdale and Batwoman, I didn't realize that. I was like, well, maybe I should watch a couple of Batwoman shows. <laughs> I, I roasted the hell out of Batwoman in one series because it is, I don't know who is writing for them, but they 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 need to, something needs to happen. 
Right, that was right. a missed opportunity there. I mean, come on. You had Batwoman, and then the they had a black female lead after a while. They had such an opportunity to do some amazing things. And, um, you know, Batwoman was also a uh, lesbian. So, the, like, they could have done so much with this amazing, like, with this amazing, like, they had so much to work with. And it was just like, nope, we've done enough. And they just, <laughs> why? Well, I don't know. Is I think it's it's probably going to get another season. I haven't been watching it, so I don't know what's going on with that one. I believe they got renewed. They got yeah. Renewed. But so, I would like to see what episode Robin Givens is in because I don't remember seeing her in Batwoman. Yeah, she's. I think she's in like five episodes. But uh, the ne- next on the list is Halle Berry. She played Angela. She was in Die Another Day. Monsters Ball and Moonfall that we just seen. And I think the most interesting thing about Moonfall is seeing what she looks now versus what she looked like when she made this movie. She's aged extremely gracefully, much better than I have. Oh, she looks exactly the same. Halle Berry does not age. Well, you can see she has, at least from my perspective, she has a, a very, like she, she looks much stronger now. Like in, in Boomerang, she she looked to me she looked like a child like <laughs> her face her face was so round as it was round almost like a cartoon character whereas in I this think, in this I movie feel, she, her face she has uh, her face has the facial structure of a supermodel <laughs> i feel like that was intentional like her makeup her costume everything about her when the movie introduces us to her is meant to make us look at her like, you know, like she's mousy or like a child or sweet and kind of innocent. I th- I think that that's intentional in this movie. Right, right. So who's next up? Uh, Wiz, twenty fifteen. No, no. Right, D. <laughs> oh wait, oh where am I? Oh, Lady Eloise. You're all the way down at the bottom. <laughs> Am I at the bottom? Oh, I'm so bad at that. No, you're okay. Good. B, C, D. No, but where is D? Oh, you're it's missing. God, it's oh my it's... god, it's missing. No, where is it? Uh, oh, oh, okay. I, I see what happened here. Okay, I got it. David D is for David, David yeah. Allen Greer. <laughs> he plays Gerard, who is in The Wiz. Dad, stop embarrassing me in living color. And you know, he he's super funny and he's and he's um he's been a staple in 80s, 90s comedy. Not to mention like his character in here, it's hilarious because he's a mom's boy. Yeah. <laughs> he's a mama's yeah. boy. He's the proverbial nice guy that gets overlooked. So right. There's also uh, Martin Lawrence. He played Taylor. He was in Bad Boys, Big Mama's House, and House Party. So uh, I've always found him to be like one of the funniest comedians. So he's he's like one of my favorites. Yeah, got the step in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like Martin. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so next up we have Grace Jones, and she played Stranger. 
which I was, I thought it was so funny that they spelled her name this way because she was, she was high key strange. Super yes. strange. Yes. I think, I think in my notes, I was like, what the hell is, what did, did I put in my notes? What is wrong with this person? They were like, <laughs> ew. Why? What is going? I think I said well, something about her, and it was. I was like, I don't oh know. My God. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it later, but yeah, you definitely you made some notes on that. <laughs> yeah, she was in a View to Kill, Conan the Destroyer, and she was. Uh, um, wait, yeah, she was in a View to Kill and Conan the Destroyer. Yeah, so mate, she's mostly musician. So she has a lot of music videos out there, but I think. As far as I can tell, these are the only two major motion pictures that she made. So there's also Jeffrey Holder. He played Nelson, and he's been in Annie, Live and Let Die, Charlie, and The Chocolate Factory. Now, let me ask you, does he look familiar to you, Jeffrey Holder? No, not at all. (laughs) Okay, so Jeffrey Holder, he was the guy that put the panties in his pockets. That guy. He was that he yeah. was a video producer, right? So Jeffrey Holder, I remember him from the Seven Up commercials because he used to do, he used to be the face of Seven Up. And uh, you know, and he had that like the same laugh that you that you hear in the movie. He had that same laugh on the commercial. And he was like, ha ha ha, uh, lemon lime or something, whatever was seven up slogan was at the time. <laughs> so he was like, that's all you saw him. Yeah. In. Well, that's all I seen him in. And then when I go and watch this movie, I was like, oh my God, it's a seven up guy. And he <laughs> is outrageous in this movie. So that's definitely older. Is, but that commercial was even more outrageous. <laughs> yeah, the commercial that he produced was banana. He's like, I have I was full a- autonomy. All right, all right. We're going to get content. We're going to get to that at the bottom. Who's next on the list? Okay, next on the list is uh, my girl, Eartha Kitt. She played Lady, Lady Eloise. She was in The Emperor's New Groove, Holes, Batman. Um, and that's the old school Adam West Batman. And she played Catwoman in that. Uh, in The Emperor's New Groove, she played um, Yzma. And in whole, she played the lady that put a curse on my boy Zero. Yes, so. you got them all. As a matter of fact, Eartha Kitt was in all of the Emperor's New Groove. Like all the TV shows, all the cartoons. Like every time there was the Emperor's New Groove, Eartha Kitt was there to provide that voice. Right? So she was she was down. She, she was down for the Emperor. So next on the list is Chris Rock. And he played Boney T. He's been in... The Longest Yard from 2005, Head of State, and Madagascar. So, one, another, again, one of the funniest comedians around. Yeah, I like, I like Chris Rock. Oh, he, I never not laughed at a Chris, at a Chris Rock stand-up. Um, next on the list is Tisha Campbell. She played Yvonne, um, the one yelling from the backyard. Yeah. And she was in The Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, house party oh my god no you didn't take it a house party and martin yes so <laughs> as you can see she's been in a lot of the same movies that martin lawrence has been in but uh and in little shop of horrors i put that there because like i it's one of my favorite musicals so it, it used to be my favorite musicals <laughs> it's been supplanted by hamilton but it took me a long time to realize that she was one of the girls that was singing. She was like one of the chorus that was singing in uh, Little Shop of Horrors. So it was a trio. It was Tisha Campbell, 
it was her best friend whose name, who's also in Martin, whose name I can't remember right now. And there's some other chick that I, I don't know, but they were the, the three girls that were singing a chorus for the, the, uh, the main characters. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. but I guess that doesn't surprise me because Tisha Campbell could blow. Like, oh, yeah, that's what, absolutely. that's, uh, not a lot of people know that she could, she could blow. Yes. So next on the list is Leela Roshan. I think it's Roshan. She plays Christy. She's been in Waiting to Exhale, Any Given Sunday, and Gang Related. And so she played, she was in the uh, the first scene. Well, she was the demonstration chick. So she was she was the one with the dog. She was the one that, that the scenes, the, the collection of scenes that showed how good Marcus could how good his rap was right <laughs> how, how, <laughs> so how how well he was at wooing women so who's who's next or lying depending yeah, on that too. when you look at it john witherspoon now i did not know this dude was in this movie until i was like oh my gosh it's Grandpa. he plays mr jackson who is um gerard's dad and uh, he's in Friday, Little Nikki and the Boondocks. Yeah, he even he even calls her a cutie pie. I was like, he's all she's a little cutie pie. I was like, oh my gosh, his granddad. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah, John Witherspoon was doing his thing. And finally, what I have on this list is BB Drake. She played Mrs. Jackson, so that would be his wife. And she was in Wild Hogs, Friday After Next, and A Different World. I'm sure that I've seen her, but when I see her face, I don't really recognize her but uh she she was funny uh that entire scene with both of them in it that was funny scene <laughs> so let me uh skip down to the director directed by reginald hudlin he also directed house party hence martin lawrence and tisha campbell the birdie mac show and shadow man is in pre-production so which is kind of a surprise shadow man is a kind of superhero movie that is that was um put out by Valiant Comics. I'm not exactly sure Valiant Comics is still out. But all I remember about Shadow Man is that they had a Shadow Man video game and I hated it. But director Reginald <laughs> Hudlin is going to bring it to the fro. We're going to, and, and I'm eager to see what he does with that. So tell us who, tell us okay. who's running on this joint. All right. So this movie screenplay was written by Barry W. Blaustein and David Sheffield, um, and they are responsible for bringing us coming to number two, America, in uh, 2021, Saturday Night Live and Police Academy 2, and also Eddie Eddie Murphy. He uh, He's responsible for Delirious Beverly Hills Cop 2 and another 48 hours. Yeah, I didn't realize he he wrote movies. I didn't know he wrote this movie. I didn't know he wrote, well, Delirious is his comedy, so I know he wrote that. I didn't know he wrote Beverly Hills Got Two, and I didn't know he wrote Another 48 Hours, and apparently under a pseudonym, Fred Broughton. So, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I knew about um, his work on, like, The Nutty Professor, Coming to America, Coming Number Two America, um, but I, I didn't realize like his his filmography that he wrote was so extensive. Yeah, yeah. He's uh he he do what he do, I guess. I guess well, actually, another thing 
I didn't put it down, but he's also he also wrote for Saturday Night Saturday Night Live. But um, if you understand how the SNL process is, that when they bring on comedians to the show, they expect the comedians to write work, right? They either write work for their sales and their own characters, or write work for other characters. So you, oh, okay. and some people are brought on as writers and then transition to being on the on the front stage. So that happens a lot too. So well, yeah, he's that's cool. he's a prolific comedy writer. So that's pretty awesome. I mean, I mean, good for him. He's really funny. Yeah. He's funny and he knows how to be funny. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I believe for him, what I really enjoy about his comedy is like the timing. And the delivery. He did one where he was talking about an ice cream. You know, I got my ice cream. Yes. I got my, yes. And like the way <laughs> it was so fun. And then like it fell. Like here then he's like, then then he he goes on like I liked it, it fell. And then there was this pause. You know, it was just this perfectly timed pause where he just kind of does this and then. He's fully aware of what his body's doing. He stops, looks down, and then he looks so sad. And then he goes into the next character. You dropped your eyes. <laughs> it is so, he is so talented that way. And that yeah. is what I love about Eddie Murphy comedy. Yeah, uh, he was actually, uh, that was raw. I think that was raw. Uh, I remember going to the theaters to see that. That was pretty awesome. So yeah. the music was by Marcus Miller. See that? See that transition I did? No, no, I forgot what you call it. Segway. No segue at all. Don't know how to do it. Don't know how to do it. So <laughs> the music is by Marcus Miller. And he's written for Guess Who? Scrooge Marshall. And I, I just wanted to give a special sound out to the uh shout out to the soundtrack. So uh well, actually, he composed those three movies. The soundtrack was produced by Babyface and I can't remember, like some other person, but mainly Babyface. So it has some great songs in there. Some of my, it's like one of my favorite soundtracks, have a lot of my favorite songs in here. So for example, you had Give You My Heart by Babyface, There You Go by Johnny Gill, I Die Without You by PM Dawn, End of the Road by Boys and Men, and Love Should Have Brought You Home Last Night by Tony <laughs> Braxton. And that song continuously plays in my head to this day. And then, that is the best line of the movie, too. Yes. And she's like, yes. I should have brought ass on last night. Right, right. That was so impactful, right? <laughs> like the whole dialogue was said, you know, why do you why do you men like you treat love like a disease? And it's like, oh, I was so in love with love, should have brought your ass home last night. That was so awesome. <laughs> so um also uh so PM Dawn, I realized is not on because I looked up the the soundtrack on um, a streaming service and I Die Without You has been removed. And that's like one of the most impactful songs in the movie. So I, and I noticed that they do that sometimes some, some rights issues. So the, the digital services will re remove the songs from the soundtracks that, that got rights issues. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty messed up, but I digress. That's, that's all we have for the rundown. And if you enjoyed this show, remember that you can, Get t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, face masks, jerseys, and more at our website, backlookcinema.com, where you can click the link to either teesprings.com or tpublic.com. I had to say it slowly because I'm reading and then I totally forgot what I was talking about. 
which tends to happen. <laughs> so, uh, a okay, I might pick up a mug if you ever get a wine glass. I will purchase that and gather of it during my show. Oh, okay. I'm, well, that's awesome. I'm definitely, I'm all the way down. Like, I like your logo. It's really colorful and cool. <laughs> well, I, I've changed the logo. So you're talking about the new logo or the old logo? Um, It's the one that popped up on your um, Instagram. It was like, it's like yellow with like some blue. Was it like a circle or was it more squarish? Or was, was it with or without the circle? Yeah, I it was like more of a square, the square. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the new square. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I worked. I I was designing that on hiatus. What had happened was when we just when we decided to go on hiatus, I decided to come back with a new logo, and it took me forever to get that. And and so uh, even and even then, I had to do some redesigns, but I, I'm pretty happy with it. I'm glad you like it. Well, so, I, uh, yeah, I, you did a really good job. Like the colors are perfect. You know, I was I was talking about the importance of coloring and marketing, and you know, your the colors are eye catching but not overwhelming. You did a really good job. I was like, hmm. Now that I know you have uh, merchandise, I'm probably gonna buy some. <laughs> awesome i appreciate that you hear that folks <laughs> take it from julene great merchandise at backlickcinema.com and uh and i couldn't decide on because like both teespring.com and tpublic.com they both have uh some similar merchandises but then like tpublic.com they got like jerseys and they got notebooks and uh they got like a couple other things that Teespring doesn't have, and Teespring.com has like they have tumblers, like glass tumblers. I think they have shot glasses, but I'm not exactly sure. They have uh, uh, both sites have face masks, but like T Public has like a child face mask, when Teespring does not. So I, I use both of them, and so that's that's why they're like both of my children i like them equally so i'm I'm going to get into uh the the news segment uh just stuff i heard around the interwebs yeah i last week and up to like last night just look for stuff that just comes across my phone or on twitter just to find out what's going on in the world so let me uh let me break up, open with this from ghostbusternews.com via the interview with The Guardian. Ernie Hudson finally gets the proper credit for the role in Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. Over the years, the fourth Ghostbuster, played by Ernie Huston, Hudson, had been excluded from the marketing materials and movie posters. In the latest Ghostbusters Ultimate Collection, however, Mr. Huston is featured on the box art as well as Winston, Jet, as Winston Zedmore. And has received headliner credit with his name appearing with Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Remus, and others. So uh, how, how do you feel? Did, did you feel that uh, Ernie Hudson got slighted when the first Ghostbusters came out? Or were, were you too young for that? I didn't even realize that there were... I didn't even know about him. <laughs> so, so. He, is, he is the token Black Ghostbuster. That's what... See, in the original film, it starts off with 
the three Ghostbusters, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Harold Remus, right? They're university scientists and they get kicked out of the university and they, oh. they start the Ghostbusting business. He said, he said, you pay me, I'll believe whatever you want. Right. That is exactly right. That was one of my <laughs> yeah. favorite scenes. Right. Yeah. Wait, I didn't even realize that he was slighted on the merchandise. Well, some oh, people, I'm not, stuff. not, not really the merc- merchandise on the marketing. Like they, they, they like had like Winston Zedmore dolls and stuff like that, but on the marketing, like his name wasn't on the, uh, on the poster. And that's because they wanted a bigger, well, he wasn't as big a star as Bill Murray, as Dan Alcorey, because, you know, he was a relative newcomer. So, but like over the years, like fans felt he kind of got slighted, especially after Ghostbusters 2. Like he was in Ghostbusters 2 and he started off as a Ghostbuster in Ghostbusters 2. It's not like he was a new hire, but, and yet in Ghostbusters 2, he wasn't, like his name isn't on a, on a poster. And then like, even after that, like after years of Ghostbusters being out and they came out with like new editions of Ghostbusters, it's like, they never really included his name on the packaging, right? So this is the, with the Ghostbuster well, Ultimate Edition, this is the first time that his name is like on the, the packaging with like Bill Murray after, and Dan Aykroyd. Okay, after Ghostbusters one, yeah, you might have that. Okay, he's not going to get top billing or as much attention. But Ghostbusters was, I would like to say, Ghostbusters isn't is a, was a hit. So by Ghostbusters two, they don't have an excuse. He's an actor with a with a with a hit uh, with a movie with a popular movie they do not have an excuse by ghostbusters too right i agree you know so, uh, that's yeah. that's totally ridiculous right and uh and like he didn't uh what what they actually wanted they actually wanted eddie murphy for that role but he did uh he did another movie instead and I'm pretty sure that if Eddie Murphy was there, then his name would be there with everybody else. And it would have worked out because he was on Saturday Night Live as same as Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. So I can't see that there was any way that his name would not be on the uh, on the poster with everybody else's. So yeah. that's, see, that's an interesting thing. But that's lineup. the thing. Like, now we'll never know. We will mm-hmm. never know why he was slighted like that. Right, right, right. Because uh, Eddie Murphy wasn't on there. So we can only really, like, kind of speculate, right? Right. So moving on to the next story. First scene in People.com, Leslie Grace, the actor playing Batgirl for HBO Max, shared a photo of herself in full Batgirl costume. And it really looks nice. It looks like it was heavily inspired by the costume design in the DC New 52 reboots. It looks like a dark violet leather biker jacket with matching pants and a full cow and a black cape with the inside yellow lining and a batman 1966 inspired utility belt <laughs> so it's uh, i don't know if, if you've seen this picture or if you've heard about this story but uh it it's a really good looking costume it's not over sexualized like uh yvonne craig's or <laughs> any of the cat women <laughs> It, it doesn't I, have that armored appearance of the other superhero costumes. I I mean, yeah, the costume's nice and everything. Can we get some of that attention paid to the script? I hope so. <laughs> I hope it's good. Um, ooh, sorry. You okay? Oh, yeah, I'm good. I muted oh, okay. my mic. I got a tickle in my throat. 
Right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, this nasty chest cold I'm kind of getting over. I'm glad so you're been, pulling through. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been, uh, I've been I've been trying to like I've been kind of like mentally telling myself I'm fine. I'm fine. Right. Not COVID. I will survive. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> so the the next story is from Giant Freaking Robot. Is reporting that according to a proven and trusted source, Brendan Fraser, who is playing the villain in Fire. Uh, the villain Firefly and the new live action Batgirl is attached to the spinoff Firefly series now in development. So it seems like they're doing with Brendan Fraser the same thing they did with uh, what's his name? The guy that played Peacemaker. John Cena. David! David, can you bring my monster over here? Okay. Yeah, so yeah. John Cena is uh, playing peacemaker and he's got his own series that apparently they're going to do the same thing with firefly so it seems to me if they're giving firefly its own series then it's going to be a layered story i like peacemaker it is i honestly i i wasn't sure how i'd feel about it but it was so funny there are so many funny moments usually i'll just sit there and be like oh okay okay i I laughed out loud at so many scenes of Peacemaker. So if if Firefly is just as good, then you know, I, I imagine I imagine they will have success with it. Because uh but the like it, it played with my emotions for a second. When I first read that, I was like, Firefly. I was thinking, you know, Nate Fillion, Serenity. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was oh, thinking that too, oh, and no. then I realized, yeah, I realized they were talking about a specific villain. It's basically a pyromaniac that flies. It's a it's a dude that has a, a flying suit, and he likes to, and he has like a a, a flamethrower, and he basically flies around torching flying flies around torching things with his flamethrower, and that's Firefly. He's mainly a Batman villain, but he's going to be in a Batgirl movie, so it'll be in- interesting how this plays out. So the so, the last so he he flies or he has the power of flight and what he wants to do is run around and set stuff on fire. Absolutely, that that is of all game. the things in all the world with the power of flight and no, I'm just gonna stuff. Yeah, well he he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't have the power of, like it's it's not a superpower. He just has on a jetpack, but still he flies around. That's his thing. Uh, well, at least like I haven't read any of his stories. I just played a game where he was one of the villains and the job was to catch him and stop him from burning buildings down. So yeah, <laughs> that's his whole thing. Yeah, he like he likes it. He's he's he likes the flame. And so um the last thing I got here is uh Variety reported that Amazon Prime is raising subscriptions up by 17% to $140 per year. So that that kind of hurts. So come on, Prime, y'all can chill out now. Y'all can. Kind yeah, of. they need to relax. Like, and have you been on Prime lately? Nothing's included with it. I went to go find Django for um this thing I'm doing with best film ever. It's not on there. I went to find like Chariots of Fire. I had to pay for Boomerang. I'm like, is nothing nothing included with this? What's what gives? 
You're right, right. They they actually don't have a lot of movies on Amazon. Like if you want a, a lot of movies, you would kind of have to go to like HBO Max or whatever, uh, what your cable subscriptions where where I have all your cable channels. But like Amazon doesn't really have a, a lot. Um, what they really want is to attract you to their original series or their original shows. They have great original shows. Like they have, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the show. There is a sh- uh, cartoon called Invincible. So I don't know if you've seen that, but that is a fantastic show. Yeah, my husband and I watched that together. Yeah. I was about to say, I really loved Upload. I thought that was hilarious. Carnival Row. Um, wasn't Extraction? No, that was a Netflix original, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, but they've got a lot of really cool original series. The problem is, like, you got to wait so long to get a second season. They still haven't come back with the second season of Carnival Row or Upload. And I really like those. And then right. what do they have now? They have, like, uh, they have a Discovery of Witches. I don't know. I'm not familiar with all of them. I know that The Boys is about to have a second season, and they're also going to have a spinoff of The Boys. They're going to have two spinoffs of The Boys. They're going to have, it's like a a superhero high school. I don't know what it's called. And then they have another one. It's called, I think it's called Diabolical. It's called The Boys Diabolical, and that's a cartoon. I really enjoyed The Boys, too. Like, I heard Jensen Eccles is going to be in it. Is is in the boys in the is he in there or yeah he's already in it isn't he? Yes, he's come. He's going to be in the in the upcoming season. He's going to play a Captain America type character, like super patriotic superhero that fought in, I guess World War Two or maybe the Vietnam War. So it'll be interesting to see him in that movie. I don't know how big of a role that he's going to be playing, but because it's Jason Eccles who's been on like 15 seasons of whatever that show was he was on what supernatural supernatural that is correct oh my god whatever show that was no way yeah that's true i don't well it's two things one my memory is garbage and two i didn't actually watch supernatural i just knew that it was popular and i knew that he was in it because i really liked him in an earlier show called dark angel that he did with jessica alba there's sometimes when I try to draw from shows, my mind just draws a, a it goes, oh it gets fuzzy. Yeah. Supernatural is one of all my, I love that show so much. I watched it from like season one, episode one to the very end. <laughs> I was just, I, I, I watched it through the ups and downs, through the ins and outs. Like that, that was my show. That uh, Grey's Anatomy, that's another one I'm, I watch from beginning until the wheels fall off and a uh, desperate housewife firefly <laughs> doctor who right 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 so uh yeah that that's all i got for that i picked up from and there was something else that i picked up oh okay it, it's something i'm just gonna throw out there it, it's something that i read just like not moments ago but i read it today hours ago and i didn't write it down so let me see if I can remember anything of this. Uh, so, all right, who's that dude that was on? Uh, that was on. Uh, see, it was a bunch of different. He was on Twenty One Jump Street. There we go. He has a weird name, Channing Tantum. You know that guy, right? 
Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. All right, Tatum. Uh, All right. So uh, that guy. Magic Mike. <laughs> so that guy, he just he just did an interview. He says trauma. He's basically uh traumatized by Marvel movies. I don't think traumatized was the word to use, but it's the only word I can come to mind right now. He can't watch any MCU movies. Can't do it. And the reason is because, like back in 2016 or somewhere around there, he was trying to develop a movie that featured Gambit where he would play Gambit. Gambit is a is an X-Men superhero. He's very popular. Uh, he's, uh, he's a lot of people's favorite character. And he was, in a, he was in development for a Gambit solo movie. And for whatever reason, that deal fell, fell apart and it put him in a bad place. So he's, he's uh, it puts him in such a place that he can't watch any MCU movies because it's like, you know, he get that feeling that it could have been him. He could have been, in one of those movies uh, and now he's not so it's it's pretty it's kind of messed up i don't know maybe maybe he'll come back in some capacity he'll, maybe he'll get to do a project like that that he wants may i mean look i we people kill projects all the time projects come across my desk and i'm like this might be good but then after you know after a considerable amount of time and and thought you realize that this project's not feasible anymore. And then you have to say, okay, well, you know, we we have to put this on the back burner. Maybe we'll circle back to it to do this because this is what's popular right now. Yeah, they could have done a Gambit movie, but look, I'm thinking like this. I'm the, I'm the CEO, I'm the executive producer of a, uh, Disney or whatever, and I'm looking at what's popular right now. And they just finished Endgame on a high. Everybody loves them some Endgame, right? Now, Endgame grossed more money than any other anyone of the other films. Even the X-Men films didn't do as well as Endgame. So am I thinking I'm gonna develop a project? featuring one of the Marvel's X-Men, when I know this didn't do as well as, say, Endgame, you know? No. I'm I'm coming. I am going to ride the high of the Avengers until it's no longer feasible anymore. And then if, like, if I'm thinking like them, if I'm thinking what would benefit me, I'm a Disney CEO, this what would benefit me? Yes, I would come out with various projects to be released, you know, to tell the story in their style where they tell different parts of the story and then bring it together. But wouldn't you know it? We got WandaVision, Loki, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. We have um, What If, you know? Right, and right. Then, and then look. Look what else what else they did they released the recent star wars trilogy which i mean star wars fandom either loves it or hates it but it made millions so i'm thinking i'm gonna take my resources put it towards all things star wars and all things avengers and that's exactly what they did and look at the success they're having mandalorian book of boba fett even that anime style thing. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're absolutely, they're absolutely killing it right now. 
Yeah, but in all fairness, I'll say that at the time, Disney didn't own Fox. That's where Channing Tatum had to develop his uh, movie over at Fox. But now Disney owns Fox, or at least the part of Fox that makes the, the movies. And, uh, and they haven't brought any of uh, the mutant characters over to the main universe. So maybe maybe one day it'll happen. Maybe they, uh, they'll eventually bring, bring the mutants over and perhaps they'll have a story for him. But uh, who can when, say for sure? When I believe they'll bring the mutants over when it makes financial sense. Now, I'm the biggest proponent of, where's my girl Storm? You got Black Panther, let me see some Storm. You know, I loved X-Men. Come on now. Like, I really was like, give me some X-Men. But you know what? If I had to think about it from a financial standpoint, it makes sense that X-Men's on the back burner. Yeah, yeah. And, and plus the not story to, has to make sense. Yeah, not to mention, like, um, X-Men was retconned so many times. Yeah. As far as, you know what I mean? So... They would have to, one, come up with a way for the timeline to make sense between X, was it X-Men, X-Men, X2, Last Stand, Days of Future Past, Rise of the Dark Phoenix, all these things, they just don't mesh at all. And then, and then you got Logan, where the X-Men just died. <laughs> <laughs> I think that what'll probably happen is that they're going to ignore all of that and they're going to they're going to reboot them again except this time in the regular mcu instead of whatever fox uh, you know the fox x-men universe but uh we'll see yeah. what, what that what happens like with that. mr frankie can, can we get some of that golden touch on this series <laughs> right right so uh i think that we've talked enough about the X-Men. Let us transition again over to, <laughs> because uh, as you know, as, as, I've, as I've explained before, I am not good at the segues. Let's, let's go over to talking about our favorite parts of Boomerang. Now you had, uh, uh, you make copious notes, <laughs> yeah. way more copious. And before we started recording, one of the things you mentioned was sexual harassment in the workplace. Now, actually, I didn't really see a lot of sexual harassment. So what did you see? As soon as he enters in, right? You see, you have a Chris Rock's character. Hey, what's going on, man? So what happened? Did you hit it? The silent third. And then he, you hear these girls. Hi, Marcus. How you doing, Marcus? And then as it's like a whole montage of him getting this attention and then cut to David Allen Greer and um and Martin in the office and Martin's basically kind of humping the desk like and then it was like <laughs> this and, and and I'm just like no <clears throat> I'm a CEO I walk into my building and I look around and I am hearing hi Marcus sex stories in somebody else's office i'm i'm gonna be like i'm gonna need all of y'all to go up to hr and re review what can what denotes sexual harassment because this none of this is appropriate for the workplace well i i would say that it's only 
it's only considered sexual harassment if somebody's actually offended, right? So if if all of that is going on and nobody's actually complaining about it, then it's not actually sexual harassment. It, they, there has to be a complaint. Somebody has to be offended. And apparently in that workspace, nobody was offended. Everybody was like family. They, they, they talk like family talk at home. Like that, that's something that you would typically see in a more uh, personal, unprofessional setting. And they, they just apparently they have a very loose culture at that at that workspace. Now, if they got clients walking in and the clients get offended, then that that's a sexual harassment situation right there. But apparently, all, all, all of them it's like I don't think that he's had relations with any of the women that were like saying hi to him, like when he walked in. But they want to. They want to have sexual relations. <laughs> that's what I'm. <laughs> it's still it's look and he's not interested because you know apparently he's very picky and if they got ugly toes or something <laughs> wrong with their face. so but they're still in his face like hi marcus how are you i'm gonna be super in your face then they are sexually harassing him well, only see? if he's offended, right? If he he's, to, offended. he's he's definitely not offended by by this attention. <laughs> yeah, like, he, but he, he he's enjoying it. He's probably encouraging it. <laughs> oh, well, I'll just like heavy eye roll, cause and then if you look at it, like, we try and ask yourself what like how women are portrayed in this film. You have to. you have to really if you sit there and wonder like how women are portrayed in this film you gotta see there you've got women on opposite ends of the spectrum you gotta see like you got the girls that are just like in his face like they really don't come contribute much other than telling the viewer that he is considered desirable right on the surface now you take the main the two women in his life that like robin Givens character you take halle berry's character now you get this strong black woman in a place of power and what do you do you turn her into a narcissist that's just as much of an a-hole as the guy character she gets hit and like he was like and and what gets him open you know the scene where his toes curled and she just yeah. put it on him it's a and then next thing you know nose wide open and he's like where were you i called for you blah 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 suddenly he's suddenly this emotionally intelligent person because woman plays just as many games as him put it on him that that's that's what it takes like this is what you were telling me as the viewer about men that's all it takes well no it's i wouldn't say it's about men it's about marcus specifically because (laughs) marcus Marcus. does not fall in love with women right like he was having a conversation with his friends it's like once once he hit it he's he's finished right so that but that's just him right so he doesn't fall in love so i think with the situation specifically was that he had actually found someone that had all the things that he liked in a woman and then and he wanted to keep her now now he falls finds himself wanting to stay with that woman and the woman was actually playing games with him so that and he's not used to that he's not used to being 
on that end of the spectrum. He he's used he, to being the got, one in control, and this time he got out Marcus. He got out Marcus. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. He got out Marcus. And uh, you had mentioned something about a soft side. So what what is the soft side? Well, do you remember? Yeah, be, because David Allen Greer's character, right? They, you know, he was like, oh, you got to romance a woman. You got to do this. You got to pay attention. If you, you actually ask her what she likes. And then Martin Lawrence said, you sound, start to sound like you got a soft side. Like trying <laughs> right. to insinuate that maybe he doesn't like women. And I was just like, heavy on the eye roll. Like they really wanted mean to see this toxic masculinity going on and the i mean mission accomplished but geez like okay well, i guess just, like, just, <laughs> to to be fair uh i think that uh where well, it's two things like the uh david david alec greer character he is how should he is like one side of the spectrum of who Marcus is and the Martin Lawrence character is on the exact opposite side. And Marcus is like the perfect combination of both of these personalities. Like David Lyland Career, he played Gerard. He is very, he's like, I don't want to say soft, but he's compassionate and he's a little bit shy and he somewhat unsure of himself. He's not assertive. So he's a lot weaker than like either Martin or uh well he's he's Taylor in this movie. So <laughs> he's he's weaker than Marcus or Taylor. And then Taylor, it he just comes on way too strong. He's like ridiculous, right? <laughs> he comes on ridiculously strong. And and he's so strong that it's like Tyler uh Taylor doesn't get a lot of women because he's too strong. And then Gerard doesn't get a lot of women because he's not strong enough. And then Marcus it's like uh like a perfect blender to two and i've known all of those men like i've known all of them <laughs> <laughs> i'm probably as a matter of fact i'm probably closer to gerard <laughs> i i i will say I, I like a nice healthy balance of men but because i i have a strong personality i just i like i needed i needed balance I needed someone that I could trust to to steer the ship, basically. So if I don't see leader leadership qualities, that's what it is. If I don't see leadership qualities in a man, I would immediately lose interest. Just like that. Just right. If 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 you if a man didn't have leadership qualities, then I'm imagining in my head that I'm going to have to help him teach him where to go, wipe his ass, tell, you know, treat him like one of my kids. So I needed, like, I needed a strong, you know, a strong man that's a leader, not a jerk, you know, like uh, your Tyler types, but definitely not a Gerard type. I needed something like in the middle, you know, Not Marcus, just in the middle, <laughs> my husband. <Marcus>. <laughs> so, uh, uh, what you call it? So, let me skip down um, to, let me see. 
It says narcissism. Oh, yeah. So Tisha Campbell, of course, a, a scorned woman would be portrayed as aggressive. That's an interesting note. Uh, unfortunately, she's the only scorned woman in the. Oh, well, actually, I would say that there are two. All three of the women actually got scorned. Uh, two of the women were really aggressive about it. And one of the women was was not. She was more like meh about it. So. <laughs> But but um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say like, of course, because it's like when you get scorned, it hurts. I, I would expect anyone that gets scorned would be angry and aggressive. Well, that's the thing. They made her look crazy. Like when you introduce Tatisha Campbell's character, she looks like the crazy one with the right. signs. Sister, come here. Signs right. out, don't trust him. And now I'm meeting this dude for the first time. I'm seeing his neighbor there. First, my first thought is, oh, wow, she, she's a little bit crazy. I'm going to have to go. Like, yeah, that was, traitor. yeah, that was the point. <laughs> she was but, trying to, she was trying to get rid of that girl. She was trying to ruin Marcus's estate. <laughs> see, it has something like, of course, she's a woman scorned. This is how we have to portray her. I just like the way women look in this film is has not aged well at all. If you think about it, like I said, Robin Givens, you know, I liked her. I was like, oh my gosh, she watches basketball. Oh, this chick is cool. She gets along with the crazy neighbor. Like, she's awesome. And then I'm like, oh, oh, she's a little bit of a narcissist she plays games like the movie wants us to be uh you know team Hallie because she's sweet she's kind she she's a little bit of a pushover and then what do they do oh in the end they make her they make her a little bit cold a little bit tougher cursing at him well I should have brought y'all ass home last night you know, and then leave him be, but then he is able to emotionally manipulate her by bringing through her students. So you know, like, okay, so of course you want you want a girl to be on your side. Oh, bring the kids in, bring the kids in. Well, that they weren't just any kids; they were her yeah. kids. She already yeah. had an emotional attachment to her. Well, I, I think yeah. that um. I don't think that Halle Berry's character was a pushover. She was strong throughout the film. She just, she was just nice, right? Like she was, she was, uh, she wasn't an executive, but she was. Carmen, um, go in your room. She was, uh, I'm trying to look at, look up her, the name that she had in the movie. Uh, I, I forgot it already. And I'm looking and I can't find, there it is, Angela. So anyways, so Angela was, um, was a strong leader in her in her own right like she she was nice but she wasn't like for example when uh when i will give you a reason why you keep it up when when marcus said uh like he said oh gerard hit it he hit it right and she looks at him and says uh gerard couldn't hit it with a bat right (laughs) (laughs) so She's, no, she, and like, no, she said Gerard couldn't hit it with a map. Oh, I thought she said bat, but still, it's still funny either way, right? So, yeah, it's uh, 
so she knows what she wants and she's she doesn't just fall for anybody and um i think that like when you see her later i don't it's some of i think it's a combination of two things i think it's some of that is her being executive like she wasn't exactly mean she was just being an, an executive and the other part was she was still hurt like a, apparently some time has passed between the time that they last saw each other since the time that she walked out of his, out of his life and she walked all the way out right because she wasn't and and the other thing is that she knew what he was doing the entire time it's like she was attuned to his emotional state at every part of the movie she like she knew when he wanted angela she knew that when their the relationship between him and Angela not not angela i'm saying the wrong name angela knew when um jacqueline and marcus were having a hard time Angela knew when Marcus wanted Jacqueline. A Angela was attuned to his emotional state the entire time. And so it's not like- uh, I feel like she let him- She was like in love with him. She was like in love with him the entire time. So like when they finally got together, it was almost like she was content. And then like they're, they're in his house and he gets a phone call from Jacqueline talking about, come over, we got to talk about this promotion, this- uh event that we're having or whatever and her her demeanor immediately changed because she kind of <laughs> knew at that point that she was going to lose markets she's like she she could tell right and then when he came home he was like yeah there it is she like she knew <laughs> she knew all along so to me it i think that displays how attuned that she was to him it, she knew it when she lost him and uh and then she kind of got upset about it, like when he tried to explain himself, right? <laughs> she let him off the hook way too easy. She just let, she let him off. It was, he just popped up in her office. There was no get out. Be like, hey, honey, yes, I missed you. Two children that I teach. Maybe, maybe I got a new job this other. Thank you so much for bringing now you can leave. She let him off the hook way too easy. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, uh, what you call it? Because it, like I said, it, it's been probably a couple of months since they've seen each other. Because and he had been writing him, and he had been writing her letters. That's the only way to communicate back then. Maybe he <laughs> sent her emails, but he had been writing her letters. Uh, uh, and, uh, <laughs> she had been avoiding him, and she worked at a different company. And then when she came in, I, I guess they kind of wrapped it up too soon, but it was, it is a movie, right? So they got to yeah. end the movie. So maybe the movie ended too quickly, but I, I kind of think it worked out all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, I don't want you to think I'm down on this movie. These things I'm bringing up are like um, my particular little grumbles as far as like the way women are portrayed in this movie. Right, right, right. As far as like comedy, yes, there were some funny moments between those dudes. The balance of those dudes were hilarious. Honestly, I want to be Gerard's parents when my husband and I are like that old. That's all I'm saying. All right. You know, so, uh... you know Gerard's parents, they were like doing things. I was like, that. I, I want to be that couple yeah. when we've been married that long. <laughs> Yeah, you hit the funniest part of the movie, the first one. And it's like they were like memes when I was uh when I was in my early 20s. So the first one was when 
John Witherspoon played Mr. Jackson talking about you got to coordinate. You got to coordinate. You got to coordinate. You got that yeah. mushroom shirt. Yeah, I see you got the mushroom shirt. You got to have the mushroom belt. It's like, yeah, I see your mushroom belt. Bam, the mushroom lining. So that was, we used to say that to each other, joking all the time. And then that, that part where, uh, and this is like probably the best acting in the movie. It's uh, Gerard complaining that his parents have been in the bathroom for an hour. And then, and uh, Marcus is like, what are they smoking? He's like, no, they fucking, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then they come out all bedraggled. And then it's just a scene of Jess, Marcus, and Gerard. And they just kind of just standing there, just kind of like trying to deal with it emotionally. And it's kind of looking around. It's like, that, that's some high quality acting right there. Then you just kind of give themselves a hug because Gerard is going through a hard time right now. <laughs> I think the comedy gold in this movie was the parts that were like unspoken, where a girl would walk by and the guys would look at each other and they'd just be like, yeah, like yeah, they do. Yeah. The, the ones that did not have dialogue were just like insanely the, that, that again, the acting chops, the, the delivery, the timing was masterful in that regard. Right. Also, um, and we had touched on, uh, Nasty Nelson. Nasty Nelson was was a trip. So you mentioned ew in your notes, right? So and I was wondering if he was going to catch that. I I didn't really bring it up with Zachary. Oh, excuse me. I was wondering if he was going to catch that. So what happened was so Strange and Strange, uh, Grace Joan is amazing. So Strange, she's walking around talking about, uh, I'll show you what sex is. This is sex. And she takes her panties off and she rubs it in a scientist's face. It's so funny. And then Nelson takes the panties and puts it in his pocket. I was like, ew, ew, ew. And I was like, that's right, Lloyd, you quit. You quit your job. That's bullshit. Right, right, right. He said, do you think Elizabeth Taylor would throw her panties in my face? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that was great. The whole scene was just. I was like, ew, oh no, oh. Yeah. He just put it in his pocket. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All surreptitiously, <laughs> too. That was that was a trip. Uh, and the other part, when, uh, like we had talked about it earlier. So, Marcus was, this is after um, Jacqueline dumps Marcus and he's feeling some kind of way. And so that's when Nelson comes up and says, he asked Nelson about, the storyboards for the video he's supposed to shoot and marcus just goes to shoot whatever you want and Nelson was like i have total autonomy so <laughs> and so we, we already know from early in the film that, that nelson when he's chained nelson will produce a commercial that is you know fun. it's too sexy right it's like there's there's eating a banana and then there's eating a banana too sexy there's like way too sexy the way the woman in this commercial was eating a banana. And then there's, you know, the one with the cherry <laughs> and the way she was licking the cherry is way too sexy. It actually it was two cherries, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's when Marcus said, lose the banana and lose the cherry. <laughs> he said, you too nasty. <laughs> so he got uh, 
do you remember do you remember the commercial do you want to describe for the audience the, the commercial that he produced with full autonomy oh god it was it was okay it was stressing it looked like she was in like a cave right and then she was like uh like she was giving birth and there was like blood it was it was gross and then she was like she pulls it out from her nether region and it's her it's her perfume it's her right nether. right and i was like no uh, no yeah no. <laughs> so it's, and it's weird because the, the outfit she got on it kind of looks like her dress looks like is inspired by tree roots like her, her, her uh dress looks like it's compo- composed of tree roots and she she has a big belly and she's like screaming and whatnot because she's giving birth so she squats so she can give birth and she gives birth to her perfume that was that was crazy see that's like the commercial he had where he did not have autonomy it right. was just like you that was another thing it's like bro why what never in the history of anybody's workplace would somebody okay this? This right. would end up on the cutting room floor, and people be like, "What made you think that this was okay?" Right, right. So that so, that was that was pretty funny. I so, thought uh, Angela's commercial, the painting with the dude on his knee, and you know, or the girl, but it's like two two pictures one was on their knee and then the other one was standing up i thought that was beautiful it was like classic do you know who did the artwork for this movie no i I didn't look that up but whatever yeah those were awesome images that that they had that basically how she decorated her apartment uh was was pretty nice so yeah that was good and then uh it, it played it was it was good that it was impactful because then you saw it later on near the end of the movie where she's successfully uh, climbing up the corporate ladder, you know, with, with her images on buses and ads and yeah. whatnot. So uh, I, I also noticed that. So another thing was Tyler's character. So Tyler's character is always looking for the racism and everything. Right. Okay. So one of the things, one of the things talked about there at a restaurant and uh, the lady talks about asparagus spheres and he's like see there that's racist if i was white they would have said asparagus tips but they talk about asparagus spheres it's racist and then i noticed that every meal they had had asparagus when uh except when they were at the the i think i think it was thanksgiving park when, when gerard's parents were there they didn't have asparagus in that meal but it seemed like all the other times is either marcus or it's one of the other characters had asparagus, even with Lady El- Eloise, she's, oh. she had asparagus. <laughs> oh, no, oh, no. I'm fully traumatized by Lady Eloise's evening with Marcus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and oh, then no. subsequently when Marcus kept trying to deny it. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I was, I, you know, she, she came up and I think I wrote in my notes, um, yet more sexual harassment in the workplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and... that is for real. That is for real sexual <laughs> harassment right there. That is absolutely right. <laughs> so, because oh, uh, in this, we can honestly say that Marcus was offended. And uh, he assumed that she was using sex so that he could 
advance, right? Like he felt like if he didn't do yeah. these weird things with her, then he wouldn't advance. So, and then, uh, do you remember what that was when she clapped her hands and the lights went out? Do you remember that device? Oh yeah, the clapper. Yes, you remember the clapper. Oh, clapper, <laughs> clapper, 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 clap the clapper. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it was funnier back then. Because <laughs> now all of us, are, uh, a lot of us who are not, who are not afraid of surveillance, uh, have our uh, smart devices that that does exactly that. So. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing too it's like we show our age when we when we laugh at stuff like that <laughs> yeah absolutely so uh also we see that marcus has a a crucial foot fetish right <laughs> it's like oh no <laughs> everyone has to pass a foot fetish test and i gotta remember this has to do with uh quentin tarantino apparently he puts a lot of Fush fetish elements in his movies. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, so, um, I I love I love QT though. His his right. body work, like I I really really enjoy his his work. There was only I only had like one Quentin Tarantino criticism, but you know honestly I feel like everybody gives him a hood pass because he's Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, his movies are good. His movies are good. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things you wrote in the in your notes is a uh, terrible French accent. So I'm not all that familiar with the French accent. So are you referring to Stranger or the the men in the elevator? Stranger, Stranger. It was just no. <laughs> so I, see, I I watch a lot of foreign films and stuff. So you know, and I watch something from every part of the world. It doesn't matter. Like, there's an indie filmmaker that uh, that makes films with uh, that take place in like Africa and stuff, and then right. and you know the, um, the language spoken, I believe, is in his particular films are Swahili, I think. And then you know, I also love to watch stuff from like. Um, in, from like France, you know, like your Bonfire Destiny, whatever, uh, Poland. I love Spanish films, Spanish TV shows, also uh, French films from Canada. So it's something like I was expecting something different. And then, but then I got like a poor imitation of a French accent. Right. Yeah. So I, like I said, it, it sounds good to Americans, right? <laughs> it doesn't really sound good to to the world at large. So uh, let me see what, what else we got. The secret Salmon Robin Gibbons could care less about, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, that We're talking about favorite parts. I mean, my favorite part definitely was Strange being strange in, in the boardroom. Because, you know, but also my favorite, my, I have like a top three, I guess, is uh, Robbie Givens in his house watching basketball. And he's trying to be like romantic and she's just trying to watch Jordan, man. Like, relax. Well, I think she was playing him. It wasn't because 
she wasn't interested. She, that was part of reversing reversal of the dog, so to speak. It, it wasn't her intention to uh, try to get closer to him or whatnot. All, everything that she did was intentional and he kind of fell for it. So, <laughs> cause it's like, if you wanted to watch basketball and you're having dinner, you would probably bring that up before the dinner. You wouldn't do that in the middle of the dinner. Oh, by the way, can we, can we watch basketball? Right. I, so everything that she did was intentional to make him feel uncomfortable and it, it all worked. But I, I, I agree with you. That, that was a funny part. So it it's like, she's just sitting there talking about, can you get me a beer? Right. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. intentionally totally ruin it. Ruin the movie. Like she wouldn't compliment she wouldn't compliment on on his right. She wouldn't compliment him on a meal because he's used to getting compliments. That's why he he threw that uh, when it, he was fishing for a compliment <laughs> when he was talking about the secret to his salmon recipe. It's like she didn't ask you about salmon recipe, bro. I, okay. <laughs> I, I, actually, no one cares, bro. She had, was having a whole ass conversation with Tisha Campbell in the backyard. Right, right, right. Like, she gets along with the crazy neighbor, like. She would be a great she she would be perfect his perfect match if she wasn't so much like him. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, that 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 was her whole point. Like she knew that when she was being invited to his house, he was trying to set up a, a romantic evening, right? She she's not dumb. So <laughs> she so because she with this knowledge, knowing that she he was uh he was trying to set her up for romance, she flipped it on him. And totally like ruined the evening. What, what his, whatever his plans were, Ooh, right? She so showed up in jeans. <laughs> Not gonna be. Nah, those weren't. Those are deep. Those are some stretchy pants. They're, those <laughs> are. Those were some sheer pants. It, those were some. It it was almost like she was trying to give him some vibe or something like that. Like you might have a chance, <laughs> and, was, and then later on, it's like no, you have no chance. <laughs> Zero chance. See, I think I put in notes. Okay, good. She set some healthy boundaries. And then yeah, I was absolutely. like, I was like, okay, so she's violating her healthy boundaries. So we're getting mixed signals now. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, that's <laughs> because she's just like him. It was like, yeah, probably because she she could tell from the moment she saw him who he was. So she threw out that that thing to say where when she when she said she doesn't date coworkers or something like that. That was. That was already suspect, right? <laughs> it's, it's like, like he's why dense. would she? Be, why would she? Why would she feel the need to say that and then get all close to him and stuff? See? Right, right. She's playing him. All that, <laughs> and he was right. Like when she went to blow the uh, the eyelash or whatever that's supposed to be falling into his eye, and she did it all, <laughs> and he was like, he called on it. Like, that was a totally seductive move. That was completely seductive. What she did, right? So. Yeah, it, he understood uh, that he'd be played, but not enough. I love the super Eddie Murphy esque way he delivers that line too. You know, he's like, he makes that face like, yeah, he, yeah. He's like, you know, I was a sick doctor. You remember your mom get the get the thing when you got the eyelash and your mom go like, like right, like, right, he, right, right, right. I I keep saying it's absolutely masterful. Right, right, right. So, uh, so we talked about having to coordinate, uh, was one of my favorite parts. Uh, and then some of the notes are kind of jumbled that I wrote down. I was like, what am I? Oh, we talked about the bathroom. 
uh, the, oh, so um, I was thinking about uh, Hollywood. I wrote Heart and I wrote Captain Planet, right? So, because <laughs> I remember how you were saying that uh, you, you were kind of thinking of Angela as like the weaker character. And I, I didn't think she was. I think that she was, she just had a lot of heart. She had a lot of more, she had a lot more heart than Jacqueline, right? Uh, Jacqueline is ruthless and she's a dog and she be playing man where Angela is genuine and, and you know, she's, she's in touch with her emotions. So I thought of her as like, remember Captain Planet. So you had the five yeah. kids and one of them had the power of heart, which what is the power? We know that fire burns and water gets things wet. So, but he had the power of heart, which is used to bring all of the, the other elements together to create Captain Planet. So I think that was, uh, I think that was Angela's superpower was, was her big heart. You know, she went out and she, you know, she, she did things with the kids and, and stuff like that. But uh, like when when her heart was broken, like it put her in a bad place, and, and then she then she prioritized her work over her the care that she had for other people, and it was hard mm-hmm. to get back to that place, right? So yeah, that, um, I th- I thought the another thing that I really liked was the uh, character progression. It was it was obviously Marcus is the main character that needed to progress. He needed to get. He needed to get to a place <laughs> where he could. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's all right. Ma- it's Marcus, that, like it's the it's exiting like slowly. You know what I mean? It's like, right, right, right. I'll right. try and like I'll try and inhale, and then like my throat will make a sound, and next thing you know, I'm coughing, only because <laughs> it's it like I know it's coming because. It's you know when you're at the tail end, you got that lingering cough, a little bit more like the chest congestion. I'm just like, I'm ready for this thing to go. <laughs> yeah, I, I know exactly how you feel. So uh what I was saying is that so Marcus, he would go from basically being a dog to being able to 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 love somebody. So and I thought that the way that they did that worked out really well. I gotta like that. Like he needed to be dogged out himself. To understand what he was doing to other people to to be able to to get the the woman that he really wanted or it turns out that he realized he really wanted at the end of the movie so um and uh yeah that's that's pretty much it that's that's all i got any more favorite parts you got just i th- i think i covered that i I think I was not a fan of Strange in the public place because at that <laughs> point, at that exposing her to the public places, it's like at that point, I felt like, you know, when you, when you get told the same knock knock joke over and over again, and it's like, bro, I get it. Okay. I get it. She's weird. I get it. Okay. You right. know, let, let's move on from this now. I think by the time we got to the restaurant, that joke was over. Because, okay. yeah, I mean, she exited, entered into the scene on a helicopter. Then she puts put her underwear in somebody's face. Like, you know, it's like, okay, she, she's high-key a weirdo. I get it. But then, you know, by the time she exposed herself, I'm like, dude, okay. Kid. Like, it, it didn't seem the timing was weird like it didn't seem to have a real um 
point, except to show how Robin Gibbons took control of that situation where he was uncomfortable. She was like, listen, you're going to show up or I'm going to sue you. You're going to be in court for breach of contract and you're going to be there when I tell you to be there. It, it, it seemed like the purpose of that was to tell us that Robin Givens runs the show. Oh, actually, the other part that it told us is that Robin Givens likes to kiss and tell. That too. That <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so that's why Strange was acting extra Strange in that scene because <laughs> she's trying to, she thinks that like Marcus is just just passing it around to everybody like everybody so she wants to know when her turn was <laughs> yeah well i mean yeah that she kisses and tell but also that it, it it's that she's in charge right it's it's like reinforcing the idea that she is in charge right so i would have found that super funny if it hadn't been for, you know, the ballroom, the helicopter, you know, like that, that would have been perfect. But it was just like one strong J joke too many for me. <laughs> oh, okay. That's otherwise, fair. otherwise, I would have found it funny. That would have been absolutely hilarious. I would have been like, that's my part right there. Right, right. <laughs> So that well, so that's awesome. So so you're saying that you didn't like that part, but I I think it would have been one of my favorite parts had it not been for all the other oh, all the other jokes. Parts. Right, right, right. Okay. That's I would have been like, okay, that's my part. Okay, that that would have been way more impactful without like the other John Jay jokes. But right. personally, like they did good with the earlier ones. Right, right, right. Uh, with her uh, coming in on a, it, it was a litter, or no, it was a, it was a chariot pulled by four men, and uh, <laughs> like they dropped her in a helicopter, right, right, the box, the box opened, and then it was like a litter, hauled by four men, like. <laughs> And it, it was like, oh, okay, that's one hell of an entrance. Right, right. Uh, it was it was outstanding. Um, so I'm gonna uh, gonna transition over to the the trivia section where we talking about yes. the, some of the behind the scenes stuff. And I, before we get there, I just want to. Uh, there was something like while you was talking, I had remembered something. Something you said reminded me of an interview that Eddie Murphy did on one of the talk shows. So when they were, I don't know if it was a test screening or like a regular screening of the movies, or they were talking to the executive. The executives didn't get how there could be a black company with black executive and a mostly black staff. They were baffled by this in the early 1990s, right? <laughs> they were, it was like, I, they were like, I don't oh. get this. You, you mean? You mean he's in charge, <laughs> right? Oh, thank you, Jesus. That was, it's like none of it wasn't like the jokes or the like the romance angle or anything like that. All it was is like I don't I don't understand how exec uh, how there are black executives it uh, or how there there's a country what? full of black executives. So that uh, was funny. Wow. 
Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and I, I'm trying to think of what, like, Black-owned companies that were out in the 90s, you know, with Black executives. I well, mean... There are, like, like where, around where I live at, there's, like, a, a Black-owned bank. It's called Industrial Bank. Uh, a lot of the McDonald's around this, or actually a lot of the restaurants around this area are Black-owned. Like, there's uh, some of the IHOPs are Black-owned. So it's a lot of, uh, a lot of barbershops are Black-owned. But as far as, like, on the, like, uh, a marketing company or uh, a, a white-collar company, I, I couldn't tell you. Like, there are a lot of investment firms out there. There are a lot of law firms out there. I mean, so, I was thinking, of like, in the 90s, there had to have been at least one you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that they there, were playing, There's no but... way that there's like none to where they present this movie and their issue is, well, where are all these black executives coming from? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I think <laughs> what the issue is is that there just wasn't many, right? It's not that there were none, but there were many. And uh, you know, uh film producers, mostly why they're they're not used, it's not something that they're used to seeing, right? Because they're just it's not as many white collar uh black companies out there it's a weird thing to say white collar black companies <laughs> but there wasn't uh, i'm just saying that there probably wasn't a lot of them yeah i mean my one of my freaking heroes i have like a whole mount rushmore of heroes just madam cj walker right you know what i mean and she built this multi-billion dollar company with hair products and you know, beauty products, and that was in the twenties. Yeah. So you know, it's there's no. She is. She's not, and she wasn't just black. She was a woman too. Right. Right. So right. she, like, there's no way in the nineties it was. Where are these black executives coming from? You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. That's but, uh, that's crazy. <laughs> Right. But it's like like the the company was the the fictional company movie was a it was an advertising company, right? So or it was a no, it was a makeup company. He was in a marketing department of a makeup company. So I like I said, I'm I'm sure that those companies are out there. We just we just not well, as privy to them. I made the connection to my girl, Madam CJ Walker, because it seemed like it was a beauty company. They're coming out with a, with a fragrance, yes, right, like a right, fragrance. Right. So it just seems like beauty, fashion, all kinds of things. So immediately, the first part of my hero, Madam CJ Walker, came right. in because she's like the first of the first to come right. out with like beauty products. I, I was, wow. I'm sorry. Right. Like that just that blew my mind. Right. Right. And uh, I'm over in uh, Washington D.C. where they have the uh, National Museum of African African American History. So, and then they talk about other people like that. I think there was a woman, and she did. I don't know if if there was a clothing line of wigs, but any, apparently, her products were like incredibly desired uh, in her day when she was uh, when she was active. Or when their company was active, and it's like it's basically stuff like that. Any museum that I, I hadn't known about that I learned just by just by walking through. So yeah, it's it's, it's they're a, it's out there. They're just uh, 
you know, you just you just don't know until until it's like in your face or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I just um that that little that factoid just my mind. I was like, oh, oh wow. Because okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm in the me- business of media. I would never like that. That would never cross my. No one working with me would ever, ever in the history they ever be on my set going. We don't. We this. This is weird. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. <laughs> what? So, um, why don't you uh, read us the, the first trivia thing that, that we got up here? All right. John Witherspoon scenes were added after filming had wrapped. Eddie Murphy demanded that the scenes with Witherspoon be added to the film. Witherspoon says, outlandish wardrobe himself and improvise his lines. I am not surprised. He is awesome. Yeah, uh, I was surprised that Witherspoon picked out his uh, outfit. That he know he's he's definitely a showman. He knows what he's doing. It's he improvised the sign. It's it that that was pretty amazing. Uh, um, he knows it. He's a class act, John Witherspoon. <laughs> I see. I guess, I guess you could tell like where my fandom like sits as we go through this movie. You did look. You did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen in the audience, she has a tattoo of the boondocks on her chest. So, <laughs> 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 so she's a huge fan of the boondocks, of which John Witherspoon was intimately involved as grandpa. And if you've seen, have you seen the uh, the unedited versions of the boondocks? I I bought the whole box set with the right, right, right. CDs. I was like, right. I was like, oh my god, full male nudity on the unedited oh, versions. Lord, yes. <laughs> he's, he's like, shut up, boy. Take this picture. And all you saw was the towels. Like, oh, oh no, right. no, granddad, no. <laughs> so moving right along to get that image of a naked cartoon character out of your mind, Halle Berry was the only actress to audition for the part of Angela. Eddie Murphy and Reginald Hudlin cast her immediately after seeing her screen test. So yeah, this is when she was was fresh, fresh and new. Fresh and new Holly Berry. What's next? The studio was nervous about Robin Givens being casted as Jacqueline. At the time, she was labeled as a cold-hearted gold digger by the media and the general public during her marriage to Mike Tyson. Reginald Hudlin felt that her public image made her perfect for the part because she could seen, be seen as a strong woman who could control Marcus. Right. Yeah, that I remember the whole brouhaha over Mike Tyson. And uh, that was kind of a, uh, that was kind of a messed up situation that she was in, but uh, I'm glad that she was able to clean up her public image and was able to move on with her career. Yeah, I, um, it's disappointing that you don't see her around too much now, like nowadays. Yeah, Mike Tyson has a podcast. You, yeah, you yeah. still, you still see Mike Tyson everywhere. Honestly, he she had, should have. 
she should have got Mike Tyson public publicist. Uh, he had a cartoon, right? <laughs> he did. So, uh, I played the Nintendo game too. Right, 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 right. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so production went very well, and as expected, with so many comic actors and personalities around, was very lively during production. Reginald Hall said that whenever David Allen Greer and Martin Lawrence worked, the film crew usually worked a little slower because whatever, wherever they were, <laughs> there would be so much comedy generated and they were so funny that everyone just wanted to hang out near where they were throughout the day. So yeah, I, I can imagine that they're, they're very funny. Those are two very funny people. <laughs> but see, I'm about to read my part, but this is what I've been see eye to eye. In the scene where the new fragrance is being presented to Stranger, the director said that what Grace was doing on the set while we were shooting was so funny that I remember Hallie crying off camera because she was trying to keep a straight face, but she couldn't. So whenever she was off camera, she would just literally be crying because she'd be laughing so hard. And fortunately for her reaction shots, she was able to recover. <laughs> <laughs> that that's amazing. That's a, it's, it's amazing how you can be that funny. I want to see the parts that they didn't show, like the the, the parts that were left <laughs> on the on that was edited out. I want to see that because I she mean, must have been amazing. <laughs> that uh, scene was so outlandish. Right. What like can you just imagine what ended up on the cutting room floor right right like that the first scene where they show when she comes in she really didn't do much she like she just looks fantastic but she didn't really do much but i think the the scene they're talking about was in a, when they were in the boardroom and she was talking about the the, the scent of sex when she was giving her scent of sex <laughs> that, okay, that that was what she that was amazing it was just like she just put a, oh no, oh no. <laughs> right, right. I imagine that was where everybody was laughing or trying we, not we, to laugh. We always circle back to that because your favorite was <laughs> the Nelson put the panties thing. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> right, right, right. It, it's one of my favorite parts because he was so surreptitious about it and it was so gross like it is a paints a picture of of this character like oh this 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 guy is gross this is like he's super gross it's like he's <laughs> i don't want to say there's not something wrong with him i don't want to i don't want to sex anybody but wow wow nelson he really is nasty so moving right along nelson. <laughs> Eartha Kitt was reluctant to take the role of Lady Eloise because she found some of her lines offensive. The lines were deleted from the script. So uh, that's a strong I, woman right there. I want to know what lines were deleted. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Because she was pretty nasty in that movie. But I guess they was like, for her, they went too far. Like, uh, I was born in like 1918. So you're going to have to... <laughs> So this uh, this is, if you want me in this film, you're going to have to clean this up. Yeah. And you know what? I like, I think they did Eartha Kitt dirty back in the day. You like, you know, her story, right? Like how, how she spoke out against like the government and stuff. And then they tried to like blacklist her from Hollywood. It was basically like, um, 
kind of like Billie Holiday situation, but not, you know, not as bad because she was able to like come back and do films like this. But man, like I really, I really 100% feel like they did Earth Kid Dirty. Yeah, I am not familiar with this story, but I should look her up. Oh yeah, they they accuse her of being a communist and everything. Oh, they did that all the time. Every time you spoke up against, uh, anytime that you spoke up for or protesting against injustice or spoke up for civil rights, they would accuse you for uh, of being a communist. That was their catch-all word. So they did that to Martin Luther King. They did that to Malcolm X. They did that to everybody who they didn't like. They just call them a communist and call it a day. Yeah, it's like let's just. Let's just call him a communist. Nobody knows what that means. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and they they accuse her of being communist. They tried to have her blacklisted from Hollywood, all kind of stuff. Oh, I'm right. trying to tell you, like, oh, they did her dirty, but she came back. I was so happy to see her back up on the screen as much as I did. Right. So, uh, what what's next? Oh, yeah. So. So, Boomerang is noteworthy for being unique as it was the most expensive movie with an all-Black cast and production crew for a time in 1992. It cost $40 million to make and made $130 million at the box office, which was rare for an all-Black cast and crew film. I That's, like, those numbers are amazing like they made a pretty decent profit too that was yeah, back yeah. when before streaming though when you know people actually had to go to the movies and pay and all that stuff right 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 Ooh, excuse me there we go again all right so the soundtrack album <coughs> to boomerang was tremendously successful on the music chart and is widely considered a magnum opus of Black R&B music in the early 90s. The soundtrack sold 3 million copies, achieving triple platinum status. The album was executive produced by L.A. and Babyface and features mainly contemporary R&B, urban, soul, and new jack swing, hip-hop, and several popular chart-topping ballads that are considered classics by R&B soul artists such as Tony Braxton, Boys to Men, PM Dawn, Johnny Gill, and Keith Washington. So, yeah, it was oh, wow. like I yeah. said, one of my favorite soundtracks. Yeah, they had a yeah. The I will say the soundtrack was super dope. Um, in the scene where Marcus Gerard and Tyler hug in front of the Empire State Building, was shot at two a.m. when the tower lights are always shut off. The film was reversed to make it appear that the lights were turned on, it would have cost $40,000 to $60,000 to have the lights turned on. Wow. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. It is insane. And there are movies that pay that price, but uh, the production company was like, nope, that's too expensive. Let's just have them hug and reverse the film. And it worked out perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) You have to time that shot just right, too. You know what I mean? You yeah, to... that's uh, that's new movie magic. That is movie yeah. magic for that ass. Right. So Reginald Hudlin based Marcus's obsession with women's feet on a friend of his who could not date a woman if he did not like her back teeth. 
<laughs> Wait, her back teeth? Right, right, right. Not even like the two front and the two in the right. front, the back one. How I, does I he guess, check that? I guess that the teeth in the front is like a given. Like it's like he's not, he's not even you're not even in contention if any of your front teeth are messed up. It's like apparently when they laugh or whatever, uh, if, <laughs> or if he just tell them to open their mouth wide or, you know, it looks down there and he, they got some messed up back teeth and I guess he had a problem. Can you imagine being on a date with someone? <laughs> hold on, hold on. No, no. I'm going to need you to open your mouth just a little bit wider or you laugh <laughs> and they're just like. Right, right, right. <laughs> Absolutely. That's some wild stuff. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Angela smacking Marcus was real. So Hallie smacked. Yeah. Smack <laughs> yeah. In, in professional wrestling, they called that a shoot. Call that a, a shoot. Uh, a shoot match. Uh, a match. A shoot match in professional wrestling is when wrestlers see each other for real. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, That's cool. moving right along, the, the cast rehearsed for two weeks before filming started. Eddie Murphy told Reginald Hudlin that he had not rehearsed since his time at on Saturday Night Live and that he was going to rehearse for all of his movies from then on. So uh, Eddie Murphy grew from an actor from acting on Boomerang. <laughs> yeah, um, the production was very demanding including an expensive wardrobe budget, which Angela Hudlin felt completely worth the price. Hudlin said the clothing in the movie is incredible for both the men and the women. Eddie looks great. Robin and Hallie look great. Great hair, great makeup, work for all concerned because we wanted it to look fantastic. We wanted to give people a level of production value that they hadn't seen for Eddie's first foray into true romantic comedy. I will say, like, the the wardrobe is fantastic. Oh, Eddie's suit is sharp. Even from back then to now, his, his suit is noticeably amazing. Yeah, his suit was sharp. Even his casual clothes were sharp. Uh, all the clothes that the women were shopping, it was, it was very nice. It was very well done. And it suited the style to the characters. It was like the characters, like, Gerard didn't have as nice a suit as Martin, but it, it still was a good suit. It was a suit that fit his character. And and Tyler never wore a suit, except at, the, I think it was a presentation or whatever that was. That's the only time you saw him in, in, a, in a nice suit. But otherwise, he was just wore casual clothes. And then Chris Rock uh, wore, uh, what's his, I forgot his character's name, T-Bone, T-Lazy, I forget. But anyway, Chris Rock wore like the, the stuff that was fashionable for that day. I, I like the part when he came in, when, when he's talking to Mark, he's like, look here, man, I've been here for like nine days and I've been on time most of those days. And we talk about a promotion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. Chris Rock is good this movie. Yeah, I forgot about he did say that, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot to say uh, one thing I, I really liked was the representation. The representation of, you know, uh, of successful Black men and women 
in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, I forgot to say that, and I want to make sure I said like that's one thing I really, really love about this movie. Right, right, right. Yeah, I took it for granted when I first seen the movie, but like as I watch it now, I was like, yeah, it's 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 a really good look, and they really ought to have more movies that look like this. So, uh, oh, actually, the last movie. Go ahead. No, I said exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, the last movie that we saw that was that kind of looked like this was Black Panther, which is one of the reasons why it was one of the most successful movies to come out the year that it came out. It really yes. uh, showed black people in a good light. So, yeah. uh, and that, uh, that's amazing, right? That's uh, that's my favorite thing about this movie. Yeah. So near the production's end, some scenes that still needed to be shot were done in Washington, D.C., where Eddie Murphy was also shooting the distinguished gentleman from 1992, which is uh, that was that was an interesting. Movie. I don't know if I like that movie as much when I watched it back then. I probably go need to be need to revisit it. But it's uh, have you seen a distinguished gentleman or remember anything about that? Oh, I feel like I've seen it, but I don't remember it because it was so long ago. So it's about this guy, and uh, I forgot what district he lived in, what state he lived in. But anyway, uh, this guy happened to have, Eddie Murphy happened to have the exact same name as a congressman who was very popular in that state. And he he died suddenly. So because Eddie Murphy had the same name, he campaigned to go into office using his name, and he won, right? Because people didn't know who they were voting for. They just saw the name on the ballot and voted for the name that they were familiar with. And the, Eddie Murphy's character happened to have that same name. So he's a Washington, D.C. And so that movie is about his adventures as basically a, a, a con man slash congressman, right? <laughs> so yeah, um, I, 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 I vaguely remember that. I la- right. Now I want to rewatch it because Chris Rock, uh, yeah, Chris Rock also had a movie like that as well yeah yeah he, i think he was the president or something like that hey i can't remember. he was he was also a congressman yeah oh yeah. he was a alderman i know which one you're talking about he was yeah. a, he was he was like one of those uh he was like a city level congressman yeah i re- i remember that because again the soundtrack is what i remember yeah. the most it, um the well, the song for Chris Rock's movie was uh, uh, ODB and Maya. You remember that? Uh-huh. They no, redid I do not it. <laughs> they sam- no, they they sampled a Dolly Parton song. They sampled that Dolly Parton song. Uh, I'm I'm gonna sound terrible because of my because of my chest cold, but it was like get a superstar. Oh, that one. Yeah, that was the one with. You're thinking about the one with Warren Beatty. It was Warren Beatty mm-hmm. and Holly Berry. That was called. Yeah, that was. Uh, uh, I don't know. They may have used a song in both movies, but that's. I remember that song being connected to that movie. I can't remember the name of it. It was Warren Beatty, uh, Holly Berry, and I can't remember anybody else in that movie. <laughs> I'm t- Chris Rock. I'm like, I wish I remember the name. But I know Chris Rock was in it. It was so funny, right? Because like, he he wanted to debate, and he's like, "Oh, tell him to debate me." And he'd go down the street with the bullhorns, like, 
he's scared. He's scared to debate me. Why won't you debate me? It was so funny. Right, was, right, right, right. So, um, yeah. Won't you? But, won't you catch the next one? Yeah. So, both actresses, Eartha Kitt and Halle Berry, have played Catwoman. Eartha Kitt was Catwoman on the Batman. 1966 series and Hallie in the movie Catwoman 2004. Right. Um, I would have to say that very much preferred the, the Eartha Kid version of Catwoman yes, over the Hallie version. I, I So three actors in this film have appeared in James Bond 007 films. Jeffrey Holder, Live and Left Die from 1973, Grace Jones, A Few to a Kill 1985, and Halle Berry, Die another Die day. Die another day. Yeah. <laughs> also, the only ball that matters is uh, <laughs> Sean Connery. <laughs> Fight me. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, Lord. Okay. The scene in Lady Eloise's bedroom that traumatized me for life was <laughs> shot in the Park Plaza Hotel in a suite personally redesigned by Ivana Trump. Which accounts for the unique styling. Say what dun, you dun, want. Dun. Trump's first wife had some taste. I will say that. Right, she, right, right. You know, she she had some taste. She 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 was uh, talented in that way. It, like it sucks that not a lot of people know that about her. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hold on. Hey. Oh, I'm only yawning because I'm cold. <laughs> it's super cold up here right now. And um, it's difficult to adapt to how cold it is. So uh, because really? it's like there's like a draft coming in through the, the door and it's not a lot that we can do about the draft. And so the only thing we can do is like turn up the thermostat to like 90 degrees and still it, it's a little bit chilly. So <laughs> you, should, you should get one of those rubber um, draft blocking things. I saw it on that scene as on TV. It's like a it's like a rubber thing that you slide underneath to block the draft. Right, right. That yeah, that's what we have to use. I got one and uh they got some stuff that's supposed to keep the too much of the chill out on the other side that the uh that the office did, but Still, it's like still enough of the cold air gets through. It's it's kind of. Are, are you in one of the states that got hit by that storm? No, no, thank goodness. No, I'm not. I'm not in the southeast. Uh, so Washington D.C. We got a lot of rain, but we did not get the storm. Well, we had a storm like a couple of weeks ago though, and that was uh, it dumped a lot of snow down. That was that was pretty uh, that was gnarly. It was the most snow that most of us have seen in a long time at least a couple of years right and it, it was it was pretty much it was remember did you did you see on the news how uh i-95 was like shut down for 24 hours yeah that that yeah. was us oh, that yeah that was oh, uh, that no. was in virginia actually uh just south of where i live at so yeah it was pretty gnarly actually avoided all of that that was amazing yeah so, how to avoid all of that well i used I use Google, Google Maps, actually, because I was on the road. So, you know, Google Maps was like from where I was. It was like, yeah, don't go that way. So I did not go that <laughs> way. And yeah, that's how you do. It was like Google Maps says, see, see all this red, this red? 
that means that you shouldn't go that way. And then they officially closed <laughs> the roads and, and Google map updated to show that those roads were closed. So I took an alternate route and I missed all of that. So that was awesome. But it, oh, it my was still hus- a lot my husband loves ways. He, yeah. he uses, he uses ways. I'm a, I'm a Google maps person myself. So. <laughs> so uh let's move over to see what the critics are thinking about boomerang so i went over to rotten tomatoes and i got a little bit from imdb but mainly rotten tomatoes and the critics of rotten tomatoes gave it a 44 percent, and the audience gave it 59 percent. so almost fresh Dang. almost fresh i would still eat it tomato wasn't bad yet i would eat that tomato imdb reviews gave it a 5.6 so it's it's pretty comparable to what's over at rotten tomatoes so i i got a i got a couple of fresh reviews i got a couple of rotten reviews so we're gonna see which ones is fresh and which ones is rotten so uh i really like this film oh it's awful sauce (laughs) <laughs> but there was some, well, I mean, there was some good stuff here, but I guess, I guess, Rotten well, Tomatoes, so, IMDb, why you play my boy Eddie Murphy like that? Right, right. Hey, so Lawrence Kahn from The Variety uh says in boomerang eddie murphy straight jackets himself into an ill-fitting comedy vehicle that's desperately in need of a reality check Jonathan mm. rosenbaum from chicago reader said the general idea is to exploit a certain amount of role reversal and Reg- reginald hudlin who directed house party does a fairly good job of making this fun see I I'm with Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, I you agree know, with Jonathan. I'm with Jonathan. I, yeah, I don't know what's going on with Lawrence uh, because Eddie Murphy was one of the better parts of this movie. I don't I don't know what why he thinks this this is a ill fitting comedy vehicle. I don't I don't know I don't get that part. I thought that uh, the movie was well done, but I mean Eddie Murphy has range, so it's not like. Any, he said ill-fitting comedy vehicle, but Eddie Murphy kind of makes anything fit. Yeah. As far as the desperate need of a reality check, not really. I, I will say, like, I heavily criticized the movie for the sexual harassment and the, the ridiculousness of the workplace. But in reality, in the 90s, like, from the classroom to the boardroom, they had a boys will be boys quality to it you know until you know until a lot later on in the 2000s when people started calling them out on it so right and also it's it's a rom-com come on now it's none of this (laughs) the depiction of romance in any of these rom-coms are real so it's it's kind of a weird thing to say if if the movie needs a reality check it's it's a movie. It's not supposed to be real. It's, what are you doing? it's like a, there's a certain suspension of disbelief yeah, for yeah. a while. I mean, okay, so uh, Best Film Ever kind of got me because they did uh, Crimson Tide recently. Yeah, and I gave it a I gave it a one. I was so I was so irritated because you know, 
what they were looking at was not a fictional lifestyle. The military lifestyle, the military, everything, that's a real thing. And, you know, like just a little bit of research or asking around, they would have known this and they would have been able to produce a better movie. Now, this rom-com right here, it's a fictional country, country company with fictional people with a fictional love story. Like, there is nothing about this that is real. Right. Yeah, you're taking it too serious. And then you had a you had a unique view of Crimson Tide because you've been in the Navy. So you know you know more about it's like everybody that has like a profession that's being portrayed on TV or movies, they go through this. Like they see something that's not portrayed right. And we have a harder time suspending our disbelief. Like I have the same thing with basic. Uh is the movie with John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson. And it's, I don't know, a mystery thriller thriller that has something to do with the army. And the way they portray, like, just small stuff in the army, that was, like, that irritated me so bad that I hated this movie. And I still hate it. <laughs> so it's like, no, it's not, it's not how it goes. It's not how it works. It's not, and this Bruh. movie is dumb anyway. So, yeah, I know exactly Bruh. how you feel. But in Crimson Tide, bro took his dog on deployment. That, that is how silly this is. Right, right, right. I'm just saying. Uh, I was like, yeah, never in the history of grits would you ever have anybody bring their freaking dog on deployment. Right. I would never. And I was like, where would they even walk him? Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, a lot of Crimson Tide is, is uh, well, I, I always like that movie, but I recognize at the same time that a lot of it is ridiculous. <laughs> what? But all, all that to say this, it, to say a movie needs a reality check, you know, and it doesn't even portray like a real lifestyle, culture or anything like that is totally ridiculous. Right, right, right. It's a rom-com. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, get over yourself, Lawrence. So moving right along, <laughs> Stefan Gurrett from Time Out, he wrote, the film is far too slick to be ineffective, but it attempts to play with the sex war theme are often unbelievably unbelievably crass. I mean, yeah, it was crass, but uh, it's not so crass that I couldn't enjoy it. So <laughs> I don't know about all that. And then Brandon Collins of Medium Popcorn, he wrote, I enjoyed it. It was a half hour too long, but I thought it was funny, charming, and it reminded me how much I like Eddie Murphy. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think he's accurate. I think he's more accurate. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about crap. Like, what is crass? I mean, again, the workplace situation is a little bit crass, but, and again, rom com. Yeah, well, everything about. Strong Jay was crass, so <laughs> maybe he saw Strong Jay and he was traumatized. That's what that was about. I, I was tra- I was traumatized by Lady Eloise. Yeah, yeah, that too. Was that just, that also no. was tra- was a little crass. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like it's more like better him not me, right? <laughs> I was just 
just no. I, I was uh, rocking and like, no, 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 no. Right, right, right. So, oh, uh, so let me ask you: Have you enjoyed your time here? Oh my god, I back loved it. Podcast? I had so much fun. I feel bad because I feel like I'm interrupting you sometimes. But I, I think there's like a lag and I feel so terrible that I had such a good time. I hope you had a good time with me. Yes, I did. I enjoyed having you here. This is an extra long podcast. <laughs> so, but because you are here, I know that people will sit and they will listen to the entire thing. As a matter of fact, they'll probably listen to it and then pause and then come back the next day, listen to the restaurant. <laughs> Thank you for making this the longest podcast in the history of Backlick Cinema because Oh, I don't I don't make things. I, I'm just going to keep going. There was a question on a on a Facebook group that asked how long should a podcast be? And I wrote in reply as long as it needs to be, as long as it carries a conversation like uh, best film ever. They had their podcast like three hours long sometimes, you know, this is like as long as a conversation carries. That's that's how long the podcast yeah. is. And oh, I'm I've I. I am a huge fan of best film ever podcast. Yeah. I was sat, I will sit there three, four hours. They did the resties, the besties, all the E's. And I was here for all of it. Well, one time right. I had to stop what I was doing to go to church. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'll pause it. And I came right back to it. I was like, no, I gotta see what happens. Right, right, right. So finally, uh boomerang is as of this recording available for rent or purchase from your favorite streaming services. Next week, we'll be talking about A League of Their Own with special guest, actor, writer, producer, and podcaster, Nicole Materis, host of Totally Recommend This Dude and co-host of Totally Tunular. These shows are on the Fantasy, Fantasy Shed podcast. So one last time, if you like this show, then please help us grow. You can do this by subscribing to the show, rate us or review us on Spotify's podchaser.com or Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Don't be too shy to share our show with someone. Yeah, don't forget. Five stars. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Don't forget you can contact yeah. us with any questions, comments, and suggestions at fanmail at backlickcinema.com. Are there anything else or is there anything else you want to plug before we head out? No, just uh, tune in to Mama's Always Right Media Productions YouTube channel, and you'll be able to get connected to our digital content that's premiering this on February. So we say smash that like button, hit the subscribe, and hit the notification bell so you don't miss any of Mama's Always Right Media content that's right and that's that's on youtube and that's on uh your favorite podcast apps it's like it's everywhere but like like she said go to mama's always right w-r-i-t-e dot com and then you you get everything she has to offer. she's it's so much when that's like i was flabbergasted when i went there <laughs> <laughs> i have all the links on the show notes that was that was the job that was a job putting all of your links <laughs> in the show notes and i got all of them oh. down i was i could have just put mama's always right.com and i could have been done but i was like no no i'm gonna do one for <laughs> each of her podcasts i do for an email address i think i even put that phone number down that was in your website i put everything down 
so so that people can get in contact with you. You're such an amazing you. person. It was such a pleasure having you. Oh, uh, thank you for gracing me with your pleasance. It was it was pretty awesome. So um, you know what? I'm so glad to have you here. I want to I want to have you sign off. Oh, okay. What do I say? <laughs> you say what you say on your podcast. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if I could say that. Yes, yes. We have an explicit on ours. So oh, let loose. All right. If I offended you, fuck you. It's a joke, not a dick. Don't take it so hard. Hey. You heard it here first. <laughs> Be outstanding. Yeah. <laughs>